0: down Denver.
1: Live from the NFL Combine, it's 1st and 10 at 10. Let's go, let's go. On An Orange and Blue 760. Good morning.
2: Here we go, 1st and 10 at 10, live from the Scouting Combine, Indianapolis. Andrew Mason, Ring of Famer Steve Atwater, and we'll waste no time. Special guest, former Broncos running back, two-time Super Bowl champion, current Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. Great having you with us, man. Oh, it's good to be with you. Can You hear me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Loud we and clear, man. Loud and right. clear. Got gotcha. you.
0: Right. Thank, thanks so much for coming on with us, Anthony. Um, I always think about that play, man, in Barcelona. Oh. I know. I don't know if you want to. <laughs> you want to bring it up?
3: Hey, hey, <laughs> Maybe it, you could describe it, it much better than I did. Hey, back then, special teams was a beast. Yes. Okay. We didn't go through wedges all the time. We went over the wedges. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, I get my first NFL start as a running back. And Richard Smith calls me over and goes, I want you to go down and show these kids how to cover a kick. Yes. I'm doing them a favor. Yeah. So I run down the field, Rocket Ismael's a kick returner. I go over the wedge, hit a Rocket, lose my balance, break my leg.
0: Oh. In Barcelona, Spain. Man. In all places. And I want to say it was had it been maybe the week before, or a few weeks before that, Richard Smith had taken that tape out and threw it across the room and said, "This is some BS." Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He, <laughs> yeah, he got you fired had, up. Yeah, he had me all fired up. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. But, hey, yeah. Well, hey, uh, well, congratulations on uh, on your your career, your coaching yeah. career, your playing career, and uh, now being the head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. You almost Uh, pulled me. No, no, no. (laughs) You almost (laughs) said San Diego. We're we're getting used to that. So congratulations. Uh, What what do you attribute your your rise, uh, you know, being able to have that opportunity to uh, become a head coach? A lot of people strive to be able to be in that position. What what do you uh, give credit to for for you being able to? I mean, First and foremost, I was raised
3: by my mother, single-family home, and she's she's my hero, hardest-working woman I know. And so uh, I've always felt like, you know, you may have this, you may have that, but you're never going to outwork me. And so uh, I worked extremely hard at it, Steve, but you, gotta have to have, you have to have some help along the way. And when you have guys like Mike Shanahan who uh, brought me to Denver and uh, kept me on the staff and at the end treated me like a player coach and then brought me on the staff as a coach two weeks after I retired, uh, that's really where it all started for, you know, with me and, uh, and Coach Shanahan and then obviously playing for Bill Walsh and George Seaford in San Francisco. You know, same family almost. Uh, uh, Coach Walsh planned to see, mm-hmm. but Coach Shanahan kind of brought it to life. And then from there I went on had different mentors, and uh, Bill Parcells and Romeo Connells and, and, and those guys, and, uh, and, and a lot of great position coaches. You know, Alex Gibbs, uh, Gary Kubiak. I've just been surrounded and blessed well, uh, with being around great coaches. And, uh, and, and you no, know, I don't try to be those guys. You know, God only made one, Anthony Lynn. And so I take as much as I can from those guys, but it's all through my personality. It's all through my skill set. and uh, But I, I wouldn't be here today without a lot of people, man. Yeah,
2: You learn so much from all of those coaches and a lot of people around you. But at the same time, in the last year, what did you learn from being a head coach that kind of surprised you that you didn't really expect going into the process?
3: Well, you can prepare for this job all you want, but until you go through it, it, it is a learning experience. And, uh, you know, being away from football as much as I was away, uh, that, that took some time to, for me to adjust to that. You know, I, I had to just check myself. You are the CEO of football, and you have to take a step back and look at the big picture here and not be so hands-on and trust your coaches to do the job. You know, I was used to having one side of the ball, my own room, those relationships you have with the players. Those whole
0: dynamics kind of changed last year. You know,
3: when they say it's lonely at the top, they weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, so and then we're here at the uh, 2018 NFL Combine. What are your memories like? Did you attend the Combine when you were uh, coming out of college?
3: I had a bad knee, and I did not attend the Combine because I couldn't run. And I didn't even show up. I did my medical back at uh, Texas Tech. but uh, So I did not have this experience. That's why I
0: came in the league as an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. And, well, over the years, as a coach, I would imagine you have been coming yeah. uh, just about every year. How has this event morphed over the years? Well, you know, uh, since the NFL Network took over,
3: it's become uh, uh, great for the fans. It's a great reality TV show. And uh, uh, for me, it's just one of the exposures. You know, no, no one move up or down the draft board in my mind when I come here. I watch tape and study tape. But it, it is an evaluation process. You know, you bring the guy to your building, you go to his college, to see him, you go to his pro day, you see him here, you see him at the senior bowl, and you evaluate all of those exposures and you're looking for consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just looking to see if, if it validates what I see on tape. Right.
2: When you look back at last year for your team in particular, I mean, obviously a tough start, but what kind of positive feelings did you take from that being able to close going 9-3 and three in the last 12 and building that kind of momentum that you can carry forward into this year?
3: Well, you know, it, it's hard for me to take something positive from four straight losses, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you, you have to. You know, you you don't always – failure, you know, you, you can learn a lot from failure. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about our team. We learned a lot about each other. And uh, I've to give my guys a lot of credit because they stayed the course. You know, they are a very resilient group, hardworking group, and uh, they understood the standard and expectations. And, and just because it didn't start out the way we wanted it to, uh, they stayed the course, and uh, I give them a lot of credit for that. But uh, – you know, it's, it's. I hope we can start this year the way we finished because I felt good about the way
0: we were playing down the stretch. Are right, we talking with Anthony Lynn, uh former Denver Broncos, current uh, Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony? Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the difficulty in bringing in a guy to a team and then that person fitting in with the locker room. Of course, he may be a great player, but how important is it that? the player also mesh with the, with the guys that are already on the team you know, and I, with the coaches. I, I think when you're,
3: when you're trying to build and establish a culture, I think that's very important. You know, you have certain core values that you want in a player, and uh, a lot of times if you don't think a player has those values or can uh, develop those values, you move on from him. Uh, and that, sometimes it depends on the type of locker room that you have. If you have the leadership in your locker room, where well, you can bring a guy in that's lacking a little bit. Well, you trust him in a locker room full of leaders right. and so uh you know I, I we look at all of that so i think when you're trying to build a culture that we have and our guys have definitely bought in th- they are expecting me to bring certain guys at locker room
2: how much did it help in terms of building that culture to inherit some leaders like especially phil rivers on the offense? oh
3: side? it helps a lot you know because uh you know, my captains or my leadership council or whatever we want to call them you know they they carry out my message in that locker room and they take care of some things before it even gets to my desk and so uh uh, that helps a lot. Those young guys in today's game, they need someone to look up to. They need to learn how to be a professional. They have the ability, but
0: they need to learn how to be a professional. Cool. All right, we're good. Hey, well, Aileen, hey. hey thank you so much hey, for spending a couple of minutes with us. Always good to see this. you at. And uh, always great to see you as well. Yeah. I hope the family is well. And uh, man, I hope you get everything done out here that you need to get done and that you guys get some, some great draft picks. Well, I hope we get some great draft picks, too. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys.
4: Good to see you, man. Thank you, brother.
2: Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm glad I got that right. I'm messing that up. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. Good stuff from him. He's making the rounds of the combine. He did his press conference a little over a half hour ago, and then talk with the local media in Los Angeles, and then stop by here right now. He's posing for a picture with Steve Atwater. Of course, the two of them were teammates on both of the Broncos' world championship teams back in the 1990s, their first two world title teams. Good stuff, man. Oh,
4: that yeah. was fun. Now, he,
2: he popped through in 93 and then came back 97-99, and right, Steve? Like, Yeah. And the Barcelona game was 93. That was when he first came in. And the one where he hit Rocket, the one you were talking about.
4: Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man. And,
0: man, we felt so bad. Like, oh, man, Aliens out there. Is he going to be all right? And yeah. All the way over in Barcelona and have, you know, an injury like that. It's a long flight back to have to deal with that injury. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, but wonderful guy. Uh, and just, you know, seeing him progress as a coach, uh, you know, mm-hmm. starting off running backs coach and then offense coordinator. And uh, you know, just sticking with it, man. That's that's that shows what what good hard work does for you.
2: Well, you just look at the influences that he's had. Of course, he mentioned uh, Mike Shanahan. Like he said, yes, you know, Mike Shanahan brought him aboard as a special teams assistant a couple of weeks after he retired. Retired after the '99 season. He was on the staff for the '2000 season, and then with the Broncos for three years. Went on to Jacksonville. Worked under uh, uh, worked under Jack Del Rio for a bit, went to Dallas, worked under Bill Parcells, went to Cleveland, worked under Romeo Cornell, who, of course, uh, was a guy who uh, had worked under Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick before, with the Jets under Rex Ryan, also with the Bills under Rex Ryan. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different influences that have infused his style as a coach and what a lot of those have in common though, you see defense and of course with Mike Shanahan, emphasis on the running game and you see that with the Chargers. It's a very fundamentally sound brand of football, a commitment to doing to defense and the running game. And you go back to what the Chargers did to the Broncos in the rematch in October in Los oh, Angeles. Man. I mean, they were able to pound the ball at times and certainly a dominant defensive effort that led to the first shutout the Broncos had suffered in nearly a quarter century.
0: Yeah, and that was, uh, they, they they really put on a performance out there. Uh, and that, of course that game, I was expecting the Broncos mm-hmm. to come out and play strongly, mm-hmm. uh, but I've never in a million years that I imagined that the, the mm-hmm. Chargers would come out and, and play as well as they did. And you're right, I think that, you know the the different systems that he uh, learned under and that he mm-hmm. kind of incorporated into into his coaching style uh, showed that day, and uh, uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in this division for a while.
2: And what was interesting down the stretch, of course, they won nine of the last twelve games, uh, fin- nine and three after an zero and four start. Mm-hmm. In those twelve games, they. Only allowed more than twenty. They only allowed twenty or more points one, two, three, four, uh, f- five times in twelve games. And one of those five times they allowed twenty or more was against Buffalo when they beat them fifty-four twenty-four. There was some serious garbage time scoring going on in that game. Held opponents to ten or fewer points one, two, three, four, five times in twelve in the last actually in the last 10 games of the season. So half of the time in the last 10 games held teams to 10 or fewer points. Pretty dominant defense at times. And, of course, with those edge rushers, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, they can cause a lot of problems. Look, Steve, as I see it right now, the Chargers, even though they're not the defending AFC West champions, I think the Chargers are the team to beat the AFC West.
0: Oh, I I agree with you. And uh, Phillip Rivers coming back. Uh, coming off of a, a good year, especially where he finished strongly, uh, there's certainly Melvin Gordon, the, the, the season that he had, 1,105 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, 476 yards passing, another four touchdowns receiving, uh, Keenan Allen, 1,300 yards receiving. Yeah, this, this is definitely a team to be reckoned with, and I think they're going to be coming into the season with a lot more confidence than they did last year. And, you know, having a year being in that system under their belts, uh, is, is again, it's is going to be a challenge. So uh, we're going to be looking out for them along with uh-huh. the Chiefs who uh, – didn't finish nearly as strongly. And have a new quarterback. And get a new quarterback. Yeah.
2: Uh, this is, this is going to be an exciting year, man. It's a year with a lot of questions in the division. I mean, I think I look at the Chargers and I see a team that has fewer questions than anybody else in the AFC West. I see, you know, the, the Chiefs trading Marcus Peters, trading Alex Smith, new quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. They could be a team that takes a step back. I equate them a little bit to the 08 Green Bay Packers, going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. They took a step back to make some steps forward down the line. Mm -hmm. The Raiders, okay. never know what's going on. You don't know. I mean, the Raiders are the big question mark. You have John Gruden coming back, and I think that may help them, but at the same time, I'm a little bit wary of some of the things he's saying about taking things back to 1998, <laughs> seeming to have a proud reluctance, if not ignorance, of <laughs> analytics. I, I, you know what? I, I, I you're uh, crazy over there, Like, Well, sucks? I just, okay, I just don't like that willful ignorance of things okay of the 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 tools that are at your disposal you have a healthy respect for the advance some of the advances yeah take advantage of them (laughs) hey if look if you don't understand them get people in there who do who can help you out i'm not saying you have to use them but simply take advantage of some of the tools that are at your disposal now that were not there 20 years ago you know the old hey we're gonna be old school hey that's well and good but the game has changed the tools that teams are using have changed. Why wouldn't you want to embrace everything that is in front of you and, and take advantage of it? You might learn something. So when I hear those types of statements from John Gruden, I get a, I, I get a little <laughs> bit nervous for him. Now, from a Broncos perspective, hey, you know what? If you want to ignore this stuff, great. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with that.
0: And I, I, I would imagine he's he's talking about yeah. you know getting back to Raider football, that that yeah. tough, hard nosed football. But even that,
2: do you, you can't the, do that anymore? Do you remember mean, a lot of la- stuff
0: that we could do back then, you can't do it anymore.
2: I gotta tell you something. I remember the last time I heard that sort of conversation from the Raiders in '06. They hired Art Shell, and you heard all this talk about we're gonna play old Raider football. You know, we're gonna run the ball. And we're gonna we're gonna hit you deep, the vertical passing game. It's going to be back to the future, and, and they and bringing back Art Shell, their coach in the late '80s and the early '90s, was part of that. And you know what happened that year, Steve? They went two and fourteen. <laughs> now I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to go two and right. fourteen. I think they have too much talent on their roster to do that. Yeah. And I think John Gruden, he's a smart guy, and he's going to figure out. Okay, I'm going to have to use this stuff. But I think what I'm getting at is there may be some bumps in this transition as John Gruden gets reacquainted with the NFL in 2018 versus where it was in 2008, the last time he coached when he was with Tampa Bay. A lot has changed in the last decade, even though he has been actively involved as a broadcaster. Totally different. It is different.
0: Totally different than being in the mix, having to come up with game plans offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, having to be in that room, watch a lot of film, Totally different, totally different deal. Uh, you know, trying to plan for it, especially now. A lot of these teams going to RPOs. How do you right. stop that? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how how they do, uh, and, and if they're able, if he's able to successfully get this
2: team behind him. And then, the team that has more questions than anybody at this point is the Broncos. Yep. Because you don't know who the quarterback is going to be. And while we got some clarity on certain issues and we're going to get more into that as the show goes on Uh, from John Elway and Vance Joseph yesterday example John Elway says that uh, Demaryius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will both be back that's not surprising to me why not? Well,
0: first off uh, Demaryius Thomas had close to a thousand yards receiving Mm -hmm. again this past season Again, that's that's not a feat that you can take lightly, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of teams would love to have a receiver that gets a 1,000 yards a season. Uh-huh. Emmanuel Sanders was hurt a good majority of the season, and we know how productive he's been in the past. And then our to throw it into the mix with the passing game that we had, it you know it wasn't as efficient. I don't know whether you could blame whoever you want to blame for it. You could blame the offensive line. You could blame the quarterbacks. Still, we weren't able to get the ball to our receivers effectively. So I think with the right system and with the right, right. person – The right quarterback. Uh, The right quarterback uh, will be able to improve in that area, and I think that uh, they'll be able to show who they really are as players uh, because, again, I I don't think they were able to fully do that this past season.
2: And whether it's a veteran quarterback or a rookie quarterback, those two guys will help. And I think let's say say it's a rookie quarterback. Let's say the Broncos don't get Kirk Cousins and – end up signing a veteran who's a little more of a bridge type guy and then pick a Baker Mayfield or pick a Josh Rosen for example those two receivers could be that quarterback's best friend that young quarterback's best friend absolutely uh just in
0: terms of you know getting work in after practice and making sure that the quarterback knows exactly where they are how they run their routes uh do they come back to their routes is it going to be at nine yards or ten yards they'll be able to share with their quarterback where they need the ball placed. And, uh, again, with, with practice and practice and practice, uh-huh. they'll be able to get on the same page.
2: That's another key, practice, practice, practice. They're going to have to put in some extra work because to get that timing down, they're, they're going to need extra reps. It's not simply going to be what you can do in the – structured work of an OTA practice there's going to have to be some extra reps involved if they're going to if they're going to get where they want to go this year I mean you just go back to how Peyton Manning would say hey it sometimes takes years to get on the same page to get where you want to go
0: you do it day by
2: day put it in day by day and you got to have that work we and we know that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders we know that they're willing willing to put in the extra work after practice we've seen it yes after practice and then you just hope that with a with a better quarterback situation, a better guy there, that you're going to get the results that you want. Certainly one thing I think that has also kind of been interesting is we heard it last month or back in January, because now we're in March. I forgot that. It's March one now. Time flies. <laughs> Time flies we have fun. Exactly. We heard it in January. We heard it yesterday. It's pretty clear that if, you, if you're if you putting the blame on it, much of the blame is being put at the feet of the quarterback position for last year. The yeah. turnovers in particular and a lot of the woes of the team. Yeah, and again.
0: Not all of it. Yeah, not all of it. Much uh, of it. Quite, quite a bit of it. Um, and that, that position always has to protect the ball. It has to provide leadership to the rest of the team. You can't just have a guy that can play quarterback. You got to have a guy that's a leader of people, a leader of men. And if you don't have that, hey, you, your quarterback can play lights out football. But if if he's not motivating guys to play for him, hey, you got, they may take plays off. Guys, guys do that from time to time, unfortunately. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but
0: if yeah. you have a, a good quarterback who can get in their faces and and, and you know the guys respect him enough. They'll respond, and they'll they'll play
2: much better than they would play without that. Now here's the $64 million question. If you can't get Kirk Cousins and you don't necessarily have a veteran who's more than a bridge, can that guy who gets in the faces, can that be a rookie? It can be. He, he's got to have that it factor. And right now
0: I only see one guy who has that it factor. <laughs> He's your guy gotcha. too It's my guy gotcha. too Yeah, it's Baker Mayfield
2: And actually, yeah, we listed on Broncos TV I had my top five quarterbacks And Baker Mayfield was my number one guy yeah, And yeah. Phil Milani of Broncos TV's like, ooh, here's a little bit of a surprise And I thought, yeah, I don't know If you've been listening to me talk the last couple of months I'm not sure how much of a surprise it was That Baker Mayfield was my number one guy And then Josh Rosen was my number two guy Yeah but
0: Yeah, but I, I think yeah if you have the right guy, he won't be intimidated by right. that situation. And, uh, again, I go back. I, I, I love Baker Mayfield's story. To be able to go from Texas Tech to transfer to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. going up against all those five-star recruits that Oklahoma recruited, mm-hmm. he went in and won the
2: job. And it's interesting. You mentioned that with Baker Mayfield, that uh, that willingness to go in there and win the job, to go into a situation where he wasn't guaranteed anything. And Josh Rosen, the guy I have as my number two, who is maybe arrogant, cocky, bordering on overconfident. John Elway talking about Josh Rosen. He plans to meet with him here at the Combine and has said that probably will probably use one of his – 30 pre-draft visits you can have 30 players in for pre-draft visits at your facility over the next couple of months he wants to use one of them on josh rosen out of ucla say probably wants to use one of them for baker Mm Mayfield, even though they had him at the senior bowl as well and what john elway said about josh rosen was that you've got to have confidence to play that position so if he's overconfident that's, That's not that. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, kind of the, the the comments that he had about those two guys, about Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen in particular. That stuff and, doesn't bother Yes. I thought that it seemed there was a little bit of an admiration for their attitude. Yes. And it makes me think that maybe they're looking for something a little bit different from the quarterback's the rookie quarterbacks they're evaluating this year than maybe in past years. That maybe it's not simply just about height, size, arm strength, et cetera, that a little bit, more than a little bit, of this is going to be presence, Elon, attitude.
0: Yes, and
2: I, I think that is very important,
0: man. A, a guy playing the quarterback position, man, you got to deal with so much stuff, man. You know, you're a, a celebrity, first of all. you got to be able to... First off, say no to a lot of things because you know, gonna be offers coming to you to do this, to do that, and you gotta be say, No, man, I'm not doing that. And say it with confidence with a smile. I'm not doing it. I gotta get my stuff ready because my number one priority is playing quarterback for the Denver
2: Broncos. Makes sense. <laughs> Plenty more to come. First and ten at ten. We've got a stacked show. Steve caught up with a fellow Ring of Fame safety and a fellow Hall of Fame candidate. John Lynch, we're going to have that later on in the show. Yes. Also later on in the show, Saquon Barkley, potential number one overall pick. He's going to be talking at the Combine. We're going to hopefully patch you into that, let you listen in in on that. And, of course, some sound from John Elway, who talked yesterday. We're going to have that for you and plenty of more conversation and chatter live from the Scouting Combine, 1st and 10 at 10. Ring of Famer, Steve Atwater, Andrew Mason, taking you through until... One PM stay tuned. Plenty more right here on Orange and Blue, 760.
3: Good morning. You know, plus
6: and I keep saying this, everyone wants to know what we're doing at free agency. I think one of the key things is we gotta get our, our our team has to play better this year. We didn't we didn't play well as a team. Our stars didn't play well. And uh, so, you know, we've gotta get those guys playing well. That's that's step number one. Step number two is you know, trying to find the, the components to add to that and, uh, you know, and then go through the draft
0: and the draft.
4: That was
2: John Elway talking yesterday to uh, Denver Area Media, talking about how uh, the team needs to get better and uh, addressing some of the things that uh, need to get done. Uh, Andrew Mason, Steve Atwater, Ring of Famer on First and 1010, live from Indianapolis, taking you through to 1 p.m., then at, from 1 to 3, all access with Brandon Cristal and Matt McChesney. will also be live here from the Scouting Combine in, Indiana, in Indianapolis. If you want to join the conversation, call us, 303-713-7600. You want to text us, that's 57739. Start with sports. We're on Twitter at OrangeBlue760. You can go on Facebook as well, Orange and Blue 760. And, of course, as always, we've got a poll question, and today... The poll question focuses on Kirk Cousins. Very simple. Where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up signing? Denver, Minnesota, the New York Jets, or somewhere else? You can vote on that through the entire show. Right now, 42% of you who voted say that Kirk Cousins is going to sign with the Broncos. 44% say the Vikings. 12% the Jets. 2% Somewhere else. Mm. I'm trying to see where. Did you do that from your account? I did that from my account, yes. Okay, let me check it out. And uh, it's actually also at Orange Blue 760. It's been retweeted from there. I got to tell you, I I did not vote for Denver. I voted for Minnesota. Minnesota? Yeah. The Minnesotans. Maybe I'm just pessimistic. What do you think, Steve?
0: Oh, man, that's a tough one. Well, if he wants to win and, you know, if you can look at it from the outside and say, all right, you think the Vikings, he can help get the Vikings over the hump? You say Vikings.
2: But if you think he's going for the money grab? The Jets. Jets. Jets have the most cash. And they freed up some more cash uh, to uh, pursue him by getting rid of Muhammad Wilkerson yesterday. Now, there's a lot of buzz around here that uh, some of the cash they freed up may also be to pursue Malcolm Butler, formerly who mm. is probably formerly of the New England Patriots, right. after what happened with <laughs> not playing on defense for the Super Bowl. Seems like he's not coming back to New England. Has the truth come out with what really happened there? I don't think we're i I don't think we may ever know exactly what happened. I mean, I think it's there have been some reports and some conjecture about something that happened during the week leading up to the Super Bowl at the same time. I mean, it still is really baffling that if you know if he was involved with something, he was still in uniform yeah. Right. If some, yeah, teams? Just, but yeah, it, make him inactive. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's going. The only per the only people who know exactly what happened are probably Bill Belichick and Malcolm Butler. Yeah. yeah. And even then, I mean, it's just going to be a case of of who do you if who do you believe in that instance? But Malcolm, I don't think that game that in that week is going to prevent Malcolm Butler from being coveted when he hits the market I think he's probably still the top cornerback on the market in free agency and he's going to get paid he's going to get paid handsomely
0: well you know what I'm going to vote for here I'm going I'm going to say I'm going to say the Jets I'm betting on the money grab
2: Former Jet Steve Atwater says the New York no, Jets. No, 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 <laughs> no, Mace. Come on, man, don't say that. Oh, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Mace. Oh, my goodness. I'm, oh. I'm saying he's
0: going for the money grab.
2: Let's see. Are there any uh, Steve Atwater Jets uh, souvenirs on eBay right now? Please don't be. In there. Oh, my goodness. People keeping in live the brief tenure of Steve Atwater with the New York Jets. Well, there's a. Get rid of all of that stuff. Steve Atwater, nine-card lot. That's you and your number 27 with the Jets. Steve Atwater signed Jets' mini helmet. <laughs> you can have it for seventy-four ninety-nine.
0: Look, I didn't sign this, so I wouldn't advise you guys get that. <laughs> it's a Ford sign- signature.
2: <laughs> Let's see. Is there a certificate of authenticity with it? Nope. Uh, it does not say that there's a certificate. I Ugh, wouldn't do it. Certificate. Of authenticity, so wouldn't do it. Steve says, "Don't bid on the signed Jets mini helmet of Steve Atwater." Exactly. He says he did.
0: Don't fall for the okey doke.
2: You never signed a mini helmet of the Jets. I was the one want anyone to have any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not claiming it.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, whoever did it, if if it's a forgery, it looks good. Because it looks like your signature. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's see, right there.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good signature. Pretty, for- pretty good
2: forgery, right there. <laughs> oh gosh. Man,
0: no, that's terrible. Yeah, that's it terrible.
2: it is terrible. Man. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, vote on the on the vote on the on the poll. Where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up signing? It's at orangeblue760 on Twitter. A couple of comments. This one from our friend Mike DeSico. Sigh, Denver, but not sure I want that. I think Mike wants a young quarterback. He wants the young stud. He wants the rookie. Brandon says, I say Arizona. They can strip their defense and draft the, to afford Cousins. But would they? I don't know if they would do that at this point. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think Arizona ends up going for kind of a, a lower-cost bridge quarterback and trying to get somebody in the draft. Arizona, I think, is a candidate to try to trade up. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're thinking longer term, I think. Um, and I think we are, too. I think we're we're thinking uh, we, we don't want a, a one- or two-year guy, three-year guy. We want someone who can be the franchise quarterback here for the next, you know, eight to ten years.
2: I'll give you a combo I could see happening for Arizona, and it may not uh, be uh, a combination that gets a lot of, cardinal fans hearts pumping uh mike glennon and josh allen josh allen might get the hearts pumping but mike glennon who the bears said they're going to release ryan pace their gm said they're going to release him that's another uh yeah another brock osweiler now mike glennon is at this point mike glennon is a bridge
0: yeah that's what i'm saying i'm talking about yeah. just in terms of him being with the team and then yeah you know after one year getting that big paycheck yeah out the door
2: where does Brock Osweiler go? What does he do?
0: Man, that's that's a good question. We haven't really discussed that. Uh, I would imagine there's a market for him. I mean, I I don't think he's going to get another payday like like he did. I, I mean, I don't think he's in the five six million dollar range. I
2: don't believe that either John Elway or Vance Joseph had the name Brock Osweiler broached to them in a question mm. at any point in their press conferences. Uh, both at the podiums or off to the side with local media yesterday. That's going to be a good one for you to ask today, Mace. Well, if I <laughs> get to talk to them, I probably should. But Chad Kelly's name was brought up. Trevor Simeon's name was brought up. Paxton Lynch's name was brought wow. up. Wow. Brock Osweiler never came up.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I've, I've seen some, some posts or something that uh, Brock would like to be back in Denver he wants to finish his career in Denver.
2: Yes. He's made that clear. But I just don't know if it's a realistic possibility. Yeah. In fact, I would say probably it may not be at this point. Even well,
0: what, about, what if he said he's coming back for the league minimum? But why would you say that if you were him? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, if he came back and said, all right, I'll play for the league minimum, would the, would the team have to at least take a look at it?
2: Well, sure, but are you going to do that if you're him? I don't know. I means, mean, the market for backup quarterbacks says that someone will probably offer him 4 or $5 million a year. Well, that happened a few years ago where they offered him a lot more. <laughs> 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 it didn't work out
0: too good. And uh, I, I think he's at a point, and he may be at a point to where, hey, man, money is not the thing. And he feels like he wants to show everybody that he can play in this league. But would he
2: have that chance here, though? I mean, if they – Yeah, I mean, I
0: I don't know if he would really get a legit opportunity, especially if we, you know, sign a Kirk Cousins or uh, bring one of these rookies in here. I I just don't know if that would be –
2: he would be given a, a legit shot. I mean, he wouldn't be the first choice because, look, if you get Kirk Cousins or if you get Case Keenum or even an A.J. McCarron, I don't think you're keeping Brock Osweiler.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think so either. But again, (laughs) he says he wants to be here.
2: Oh, I know. And he's look. He's a good relief option.
0: That would make yeah. That would to me
2: if you went if you knew you were going all in with a rookie quarterback. I would like Brock Osweiler as a backup to said rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think that would make a lot of sense. Right. But it's clear that the Broncos are looking toward free agency first. I think that's the plan. Yeah, I mean, it it may be possible
0: that also that, hey, if all the free agent quarterbacks that we have on our list, if they're taken, never
2: know. So, anyway. We'll see. So, yeah, plenty yeah, plenty plenty of possibilities there, and it looks like we've got Another guest coming on. Mr. Shanahan. Hey, what's up? We got Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers coming on. Uh, Good job at Brandon Cristal for bringing Kyle over here. And, uh, of course, you know him not only from the 49ers, but also the son of former Broncos head coach Mike Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. So, Kyle, man, it's a lot
0: different now, man. I remember back in the day you were a young fella, (laughs)
4: so, yeah, <laughs> things
1: you can change had the it's,
0: cores uh, and everything on the sidelines yeah, man
1: doing whatever i could to be like you guys man but that didn't totally work out so i had to be more like my dad hey that's, hey, that's
0: that's even that's even better man yeah. and uh, we're so proud of you i think everyone in colorado is and uh, so happy for you uh what, what's it been like for you man uh you know being a, a head coach and uh getting a, a great opportunity out there in san francisco where your dad coached uh what's it, it been like it, for it's,
1: you? It's been cool. Um, you know I've really enjoyed it it's an opportunity I've waited for for a long time you know being a coordinator for nine years and you know being at a number of different places you know being in places like Washington and Cleveland and even what I went through in Atlanta uh, back to Houston you know I, I've been battle tested on a lot of things had to deal with a bunch of stuff and um, I think I was very ready to be a head coach and I've I've enjoyed it a lot even going through being 0 and 9 it's just it's different when you come into a building and you're a head coach and You have support from ownership, support from the GM, um, and you're you're able to put out fires, too. You know, growing up, being a coordinator, position coach, you go in and you're struggling, and there's things you want to change or do, but you can't, can't so you just got to kind of sit there and just internalize it, and it makes it that much harder, and, you know, it's funny that we're going through 0-9, and my wife's freaking out just waiting for me to like just lose it and she's like what is wrong with you 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 seem happier now than you did last year when we were going to the super bowl and i'm like it's not that it's just yeah i'm definitely not happy about 0 and nine but i also knew this was going to be a grind and i definitely feel we should definitely have had some more wins than zero um but i in i enjoy that yeah you're in a position where you can fix it and you can make some of the tough decisions and do it with people that uh, you enjoy and you like is who they are. People like John Lynch, um, our owner, Jed York. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good environment. And, um, you know, I think that's why we are able to battle through that and get past that and, and find a way to come up with six wins despite starting that way.
2: Yeah, You hit the nail on the head. I mean, with 0-9, but the team never lost energy, never lost focus. What were you guys able to do as coaches and as an organization to make sure that the players really maintain their motivation because so many teams over the years have gotten down in the dumps, but that never happened with your
1: team. You know, at the beginning it was a little easier because those first five games we lost by all three points or less, and that was an NFL record that we're not proud of. Old, uh, holding but at least we didn't get blown out in all five of those games so when, when you lose by three points or less you know you're just a couple plays away so our players were pretty hungry through that they're like all right man we just we got to make that one third down so that, those monday meetings were a little easier to show them exactly why we lost and then we went through a stretch where we got banged up there was about a three-week period where it looked bleak you know we're going to eight and oh and eight and uh, we were we were getting worse than we were at the beginning of the year um but a credit to our guys you know just the rookies we had some even undrafted guys all we tried to preach was deliberate practice and that, that's something we talk about to where everything you do you're doing it for a reason and yeah it's hard we would talk about the you know the feelings we all had and you know in the building it's all right but you hear it from your family uh, hopefully people don't listen to all, hopefully not everyone <laughs> listens to stuff like this, at least our players. Um, and so you try to block that out and just focus on, hey, when you're doing individual today, why are you doing it? When you're in the meeting today, why are you doing it? And it takes – it's a lot of coach talk. Um, but if you've got the right guys who really buy into that, they, they block it out and they just get better. And I think that worked for us because at the end of the year uh, we were better. And it was the same guys, and especially some of these young guys who struggled earlier in the year. That's the hard thing about playing rookies. You put them in before they're ready – And sometimes they lose their confidence and they don't want any part of that. The pressure's too much. And what I liked about our guys is they went through a time where um, they didn't know if they could do it, but they just worked. They got better. And at the end of the year, we got a bunch of guys who played a lot who were at the beginning of the year. They didn't know if they could do it at the end of the year. They're like, hell yeah, I can play in this league. I can't wait till next year. I'm going to get even better. And I think that's what the excitement was finishing.
0: That's a heck of a skill. And that's, I think, something that uh, many coaches can't do. They, you know, they talk about this newer generation, and you know, I, I don't necessarily buy it because I think people are people, I and mean, you're going to get some people who want to work, some people who don't want to work. You totally. put them in whatever environment it is, they're going to do what they're going to do. But sometimes uh, coaches have a way of communicating with their team and uh, getting them to buy in. Uh, how have you done that, been able to do that? Uh, because it really, I remember we scrimmaged you guys earlier in the season out in San Francisco, and your guys, they were going at it. They, yeah. they, they they, came out and they worked hard every every single day. Uh, what do you attribute that to you, you being able to, I, to get I those mean, guys to go?
1: There's just a standard that you practice at. There's a standard that you work at, and, um, and that's how I've, I feel I've been my whole life. I mean, if I'm either working as hard as I can or I'm not doing it at all. So it's one or the other, and, and if we're in the building, we're working. If we're on the practice field, we're working, and it's, you know, even going through the whole – interview process for a head coach job that i did last year everyone wants to know what's your culture going to be what's your culture going to be and my whole thing is the culture is secondary it's about getting the right people mm-hmm. and you got to realize people can hustle you people can say yeah exactly. i'll work coach but right. you find out who people are when you go through adversity and you got to realize that people who aren't like that and who are going to hold your team back and i think the most important thing into building a culture starts with the people and if you don't feel that they're about that you, you got to find a way to get them out of there right and or if they're like that if they're not like that but they're kind of a follower then you got to get the right leaders by them so hopefully they'll buy into the rest of the group and we had to do that through a lot of trial and error throughout the whole year we had to make a bunch of tough decisions had to put some people in positions they weren't totally ready for but long story short i feel um we had the right guys and that's why our culture changed
2: yeah with jimmy garoppolo then was it a matter of? he was a perfect fit for that culture, or did he kind of add to that culture?
1: Um, I, I think both. You know, First of all, you know, he came in at a time where we were 0-7, um, so people, we didn't have much, not everyone was just juiced all the time. We just got our butts kicked by Philly. Um, come in Monday, and everyone was expecting a real tough day, and which it was, but then later in that day we'd make the trade for Jimmy, so it just gave everybody a little juice and stuff, and no one really knows, but when they saw him on the practice field, and one thing about Jimmy, he's got pretty obvious arm talent, And so when people start seeing him throw, everyone got a little excited. Um, And that continued for about a month. You know, we got our first win in before we played. Um, We had a bye week, lost after that. And then he got his first opportunity. And no one really knew what to expect because he definitely didn't know the offense. You know, he didn't have a chance to. Um, He'll know it much better next year. So we weren't sure. We knew he was good. We knew he was talented. But you put a quarterback in that situation, I I was nervous for him. And he just went in, didn't make too big a deal about it, and got better each week, made some unbelievable plays. And, our team who i think was getting better at the time anyways um but also when they got the confidence of some of the throws he was making on third down where all right normally we're punting here but hey we're still out here holy holy crap we went on 12 play drive oh we score it everyone starts to get that confidence and just like it's once you lose a bunch in a row it's easier to keep losing and once you get a couple wins in, it's it's easier to keep winning and it just i think it all happened at the same time
0: yeah i mean you've seen a bunch of really good quarterback really good quarterbacks what are some characteristics that you look for in a great quarterback i mean of course he's got to have a good arm but what, yeah. what, what are some of the other things that you
1: um my, my biggest thing is um you know how how they react in the pocket you know it's it's a very hard thing to see and learn um and it's a very hard thing to study off college tape because so many things are predetermined before the ball snaps i want a guy who doesn't guess uh, but can feel and just let it his processing in the pocket he just reacts and can let it rip if you sit in there and you think that's so why i could never play quarterback even if i was talented because i'd sit in there and try to analyze everything and while i'm trying to overthink something i'd begin my head knocked off by somebody right. um you can't really you can work your tail off all week but when you get in that pocket there's a real natural field of zones being open where to go with the ball how to feel the rush uh, but always keep your eyes eyes down the field and it takes a special talent uh, it's you know Talent is what you got to do to get in the door in this league. But once you have that talent, what separates everyone else is just a skill that it's hard to – it's not IQ because some of the smartest right. people I've been around overthink it. Yeah. But you also have to be pretty smart to handle it all. So there, it's somewhere in the middle of just guys who can be in that zone, not be too high, not be too low, and really just dissect a defense apart.
0: What, I'm sorry. What about – leadership and you know kind of being a leader for other guys on the team how how much emphasis do you do? You, how, how important is
1: that i think it's extremely important but i think one of the most uh, um overrated things that you can't you can't tell a guy how to be a leader right you gotta have I, it yeah you're and a leader to me is himself um however you are so there's lots of different types of leaders some leaders are the more, more vocal guys the the obvious leaders that would probably be in a movie, the guy yelling and doing all that stuff. But if that's not who you are and you're doing that and you're acting, yeah. there is nothing more opposite than that being a leader because players see that so fast. Coaches see it. You have to be yourself. And I think a leader is someone who doesn't fail. Like No matter what happens, you know, even if they have a bad game, you know they're coming in Monday angry and ready to get back to the next sunday they're the guys who don't just try to hide they don't mind putting themselves out there and most importantly they're themselves there's no phoniness about
2: them you worked with kirk cousins of course earlier in his career what kind of leadership traits does he have that might fit into what you're describing
1: I, everything i just said i mean kirk is a very unique dude he is um as strong of leaders i've ever been around um he is himself every single day um and he doesn't he can fit in with everyone Everyone likes him, uh, but he doesn't change who he is around certain people it's guy he's a leader because everyone knows he does everything he can to be as good as he can and um, if he has a bad game, you know it's because it wasn't because he wasn't trying as hard as he possibly could, and I think that's what guys want to fight for
0: well wow, man that's, that's that's what I want to hear because you know I've been questioning that we've been of course with our quarterback situation we've tossed around on the air what are we going to do to address that that position and uh you know one of the things i was concerned about is that they're letting him out of the building you know a, a quarterback who's in the prime of his career who's been have stats for days looks amazing why are they letting them go and you know that's and that, again i've said this time after time that's my only the only reason why i'm hesitating is because they're letting them go and are we yeah. is it something that we're missing
1: uh no not at all it's it takes two sides to want to be somewhere and if two sides don't want to be somewhere then there's a reason that never works out um, okay. There's a reason um, Jimmy and the Forty ers got done very fast. Both teams wanted it to happen. Yeah. And when not both sides want things to happen, it doesn't happen. And people can say those reasons all they want, but the bottom line is not both sides wanted that to happen. Yeah.
0: And Jimmy, Jimmy, the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. Uh, I remember when that deal went down. Our, our third, third. Uh, co-host uh he isn't here ryan edwards he's like why Why would they why would the 49ers why would they pay him that much money it's like well because they knew that's who they wanted uh-huh. and this, it may end up looking like a steal three years from now
1: yeah <laughs> and it just is what it is it's um that's the market and yeah. that's what the market's been for cousins that's what the market is for jimmy that's what it's going to be for any if you're one of those top 10 guys or anyone if you're believed that you are a franchise quarterback, it doesn't even have to be one of the top three. If you're a franchise quarterback and you get to that market, that's how much they cost. Right. And um, you can decide if you don't want to do that. And if you don't, you better, you better have the best defense in NFL history. You better have a good running game. And, but it's going to always be harder, and it's going to be very hard to consistently win. And the teams who consistently win are, I mean, everyone can look at New England, and they got the best of one of the best of all time, if not the best, um, always hate to go against John, so I'm not going to fully say that. Um, but um, they got him at a young age, and they got a great coach at uh, when the quarterback was at a young age. Yeah, That's the obvious recipe to win at, and that's what everybody wants.
2: I would also tell our co-host, watch the Titans and Jaguars film. That shows an awful lot. Kyle, really appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you so much. Thanks man. a lot right, guys, for Thanks, it.
1: man. Enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Great talking to him. More to come on the other side. First and 10 at 10. Andrew Mason, Ring of Famer, Steve Atwater, live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We've got two more hours, plenty more stuff on the other side. Stay tuned here on Orange and Blue, 760.
0: Man, no, that's terrible.
2: Excellent.
0: Here we go, we're going live right now. Now. Down Denver.
1: Live from the NFL Combine. It's 1st and 10 at 10. Let's go, let's go. On An Orange and Blue 760. Welcome back to the
2: show. Dan Andrew Mason, Ring of Famer. Steve Atwater. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We are here at the Indiana Convention Center just across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium where... Tomorrow, you're going to have offensive linemen and running backs working out. You're going to be able to watch that, of course, on NFL Network. Actually, later on today, uh, within sight of here, uh, where we're sitting, you're going to have the bench press, uh, O-linemen and running backs, uh, uh, lifting 225 pounds as many times as possible in a short span. And Brandon Cristoff,
6: Yeah, do you guys want me to signal to you, we can't videotape it because it's on the NFL network, yes. but as each guy goes, I can just count, and then I'll flash like a number like 26, and you can be like, Mike McGlinchy benched uh, 225 26 times. Sure. Do you want play-by-play yeah. on that? Yeah. Well, we know, each, each guy.
0: Well, We know how we know which guy is up there. Basically. It's
6: alphabetized numerically, so if you pull it up, they, yeah. they'll start. We'll have
0: the
7: list. The problem
6: is every now and then a guy will skip. Maybe a better plan is if they televise it, y'all can just look on the screen and they'll be like, 35 reps for Orlando Brown. Yeah. yeah. I feel like my plan has cool. got some holes in it. <laughs> but I will tell you who does the best. Like yeah. when somebody – I think the all-time record for an O-lineman is 45. Yeah,
2: maybe like a notable thing. And like a big like a big time – like we want to know what Orlando Brown did. We want to know what Quentin Nelson did. Right. Or if there's we someone out of the blue yeah. that does like a – that puts up a 40. Or a 4. If, yes. there's if there's an old lineman that – If there's an old lineman that does a 4, then – yeah, he's <laughs> no. By the way, they're handing out free he's pizza. Hurt.
6: For some reason, we haven't gotten one. Oh, but pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Where we go. Oh, new Pizza Hut, the, the new sponsor. Uh, That's the right. Came <laughs> <through>. The <laughs> official <laughs> pizza of the Final Four and oh, the NFL. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Wow. <laughs> the official pizza of March Madness. Which you know is what?
2: really good because I'm hungry. And Are I, you going to
6: break right now? You're going to take a, a break two minutes into the hour? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, hopefully, right. we'll uh, have some pizza left, Mike, and I won't eat it all. But
2: ha- I'm overcoming oh, a little bit of an illness here, and I have to take medication which means I have to have food to take my medicine. There you go. <laughs> so we get to the break at one twenty 120, at 125 Eastern, 1125 Mountain. Now I've got my food for my medicine. Exactly. We're good to go now. So I'm set. and I, I'm i happy. And it's good.
6: Mike Rice is reporting. It's good. Yes. Thumbs <laughs> right. up from Mike I'm going to go watch the bench press. I'll let you know how it goes, guys. Oh,
2: awesome. Appreciate Thank you, that. GK. Thank you. Yes. So the bench press is going to get underway. And actually – they have an NFL Combine experience here. So you have some fans milling about around us. It's not quite like the scene at the food court at the Mall of America where it was 10, 12 deep uh, around us here on Radio Road. Yeah, it's not nearly no, as, as no, packed. No, and, no, uh, no, no, But You
0: know, I, you know what? I actually, I think, uh, yeah, I guess they started coming in about noon, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, the fans started packing in about around When we morning. go
2: on the air, that's the whole thing. Yeah. They started coming in when we went on the air. So, basically, it's all about you, Steve. <laughs> no, it's
0: not about it. had nothing to do with me. <laughs> oh, come
2: on. <laughs> but I, I you're, can, too,
0: you're too modest sometimes. But I'm just saying, this isn't about me. This is about these uh, young college athletes. Yes. Uh, and I true. can imagine this is going to get bigger and bigger and uh-huh. bigger because fans love to see their players. Uh-huh. And, you know, you imagine uh, some of the guys that went to school here in Indiana who are here. Performing, oh man, they, they got to come out and see them. They, yeah. they just want to see them. And you see people in the hallway getting autographs. Uh, this, this is this is a fun. This is this is a fun event.
2: You're in the heart of Big Ten country here, of course, and actually, you're not too far down the road from Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is quite relevant today yes, because they're. two of the top offensive linemen who are here, Quentin Nelson, who is not only the top offensive lineman, but if you he is at the top of my overall draft board. Number wow. 1 player in the draft is Quentin Nelson on the Mace Big Board. Wow. That's how much I like him. Eddie, and and Mike McGlinchey, who is the you know, a left tackle. Maybe some may consider him a right tackle. I think he's going to settle in as a left tackle at the next level. And he's here as well. And yeah. both are from the Fighting Irish.
0: Some big man. How do these guys get this big?
2: Training, weights, food. <laughs> Nutrition. Uh, some of these guys will tell you that they ingest 6,000, 7,000 calories a day, something ridiculous like that. Is that healthy? If you can work out enough to kind of turn Justify that your yeah. muscle. Yeah. I mean, if you're living a sedentary lifestyle. No, no. no goodness can't. no. And actually, for an average human being, an average adult male, I think the – Amount that you want to have is about two thousand to twenty five hundred. Okay. Which we're probably going to blast today because we're having pizza now and we're going to St. Elmo's tonight. Oh yeah,
0: I've I've had meals where I mean I've had two thousand calories, like in before I got to dessert.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had I mean there and there at some of these events, sometimes just the uh, the beverages alone will get you to two thousand calories if you're not careful. So. Anyway, first and 10 at 10, we're here from the NFL Scouting Combine. If you want to join in the conversation, you can text us. That's 57739. Start with sports. Call us, 303-713-7600. Hit us up at Orange Blue 760 on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at Orange and Blue 760. we got a poll question, of course, on Orange Blue 760, and the poll question is very simple. Where do you think Kirk Cousins is going to end up. We have four possibilities. One of them is, of course, the somewhere else. Three primary possibilities, of course, are Denver, Minnesota, and the New York Jets. Cast your vote right now. You got about an hour and 40 minutes still left to vote. And uh, as of right now, let's see what is leading. Minnesota, probably. It was Denver before. Minnesota, or it, was, it was Minnesota earlier. It's still Minnesota. 44% for Minnesota, 43% for Denver. The New York Jets, who have the most cap room and probably the biggest cash budget of the three, 12%, 1% say somewhere else. Here's a comment from Sterling. I voted Denver, but I hope he doesn't because of his high salary hit. But I am the same guy that was scared to go after Peyton Manning. Mm. So, hashtag, in you no know, way we trust. That's right, that's right, that's right. (laughs) This one from David would be stunned beyond belief if Cousins does not sign with the Vikings. They are by far the best fit for him. I don't know about that. I mean,
0: certainly because they got all the way to the NFC championship game, they're the closest to, you know, winning. And Jacksonville pulled out of that race, you know, but yeah, they're, they're they're certainly closest to winning, but I don't know about fit wise. I'm um, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think I think Dimmer would be a good fit as well. And you know, after doing an interview with Kyle now, I'm 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm swayed even more over to the Kirk Cousins side.
2: That was a a a full throttle endorsement. Yeah, of Kirk Cousins by Kyle Shanahan, who was an assistant coach in Washington for Kirk Cousins' first two seasons, 2012 and 2013. So they had both RG3 and Kirk Cousins on the roster back then. Kyle Shanahan offered a heaping amount of praise on Kirk Cousins. No surprise, because if you recall a few months ago, before the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, The hot rumor, and frankly the expectation, was that when free agency came around, the 49ers would be the primary suitors for Kirk Cousins. And I think if we were all projecting how this was going to go back in August or September, we all would have expected Kirk Cousins to be a San Francisco 49er. But they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and Garoppolo was tremendous. Like I said, hey— you know for those who are skeptical about the contract the 49ers gave him in terms of the cost a look it's the going rate for quarterbacks b just look at what he did against a couple of playoff bound teams that were you know fighting for their for their spots down the stretch against tennessee and jacksonville and jacksonville especially that was an elite defense and he shredded it
0: yeah yeah exactly and uh, one of the last games of the season. Let me see. That was uh, yeah, the second to the last game of the season, week week sixteen. Mm. Four, they put up forty four points yeah. on the oh. top defense in the league.
2: Yeah, <laughs> an incredibly impressive performance that day showed the ceiling, the type of ceiling that Jimmy Garoppolo has, and and what he could do going forward. So, yeah. I, I, I see why they gave him that contract. And don't forget, the 49ers with the cap room they had, they could afford to give him that contract, take on a huge cap hit this year, and still have room to improve the team. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what they do going forward this year, what they do in the draft. I think they may be looking long and hard at running backs, for example. You know, is yeah, this Hyde? He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Maybe they they try to move up, perhaps. Could they be in the mix for Saquon Barkley? Could they move up oh. and, and try to get him? That's something that could oh, be a possibility there. So, a lot of a lot in play for the 49ers as they go into the offseason, but they do have their quarterback, and they will not be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Yeah, and
0: they're, right, they're going to toss the coin, do the coin toss tomorrow to decide between them and Oakland who mm-hmm. gets the ninth pick versus the tenth pick. Whoever uh, wins that coin toss gets the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they're certainly in a position to, to move up, and it may not be as costly for uh, the 49ers as, as it would be, if just say the Buffalo Bills, at 21 22.
2: Poor Ryan is getting ba- bashed on the text line, even though he's on vacation right no. now. Why would Ryan Edwards question the Jimmy G transaction? What a bonehead. <laughs> Wish we had JG. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Was I getting ripped like that when I was in Maui? No. Are you sure? No, no, no. I could go back to the text and find out. They they love
0: you, (laughs) man. They love Ryan too, man. They're giving him a hard time. They 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 show him hard love. (laughs)
2: Oh man. We miss Ryan. I wish he was here with us. You only hurt the ones you love, right? Yes. (laughs) Another another text. This one about Kirk Cousins. What do you do if Denver gets Cousins with a huge contract and he gets hurt? RPOs make that more of a reality than a maybe. That one from Robert. Well, I
0: mean, you got to look at that with with every quarterback. I mean, you know, you can't really go into a season saying, "All right, well, I'm not going to sign this guy because he may get hurt," because yeah, any, anyone could get hurt. We just got to make sure we have a solid uh, backup quarterback. But yeah, that, that that doesn't factor into the decision uh, whether a guy gets hurt, will get hurt or not.
2: Yeah, and, and the backup quarterback I think is key, and that's why if you sign Kirk Cousins. Whether it's trying to get Paxton Lynch to continue taking the next steps in his development, and or drafting a guy in day two, perhaps Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that you've got someone at the ready. Yeah, someone young and developing. I mean, I just if they get Kirk Cousins, it doesn't mean that you're out of the quarterback mix. In this draft entirely, I think it, it means you're probably out of the mix in First, round one. Right, exactly. but it doesn't mean that you're not maybe looking at a, a, Mason Rudolph round two or round three, or a you know if Kyle Laletta drops or, um, if a, a Mike White out of Western Kentucky who had some bright moments in the Senior Bowl. I don't think you're not looking at those guys, or if you're waiting until day three, I've looked at a guy like J.T. Barrett as someone who has the potential to be a long-term backup. Mm-hmm. Or if Brock if Brock Osweiler has slipped through the first wave of free agency and hasn't been signed, do you bring him back?
4: No. Or,
2: or for the right price. Yeah, that's the thing, for the right <laughs> price. Or is the price that he might command as a backup too great, That'll considering be three- what you'd pay for Kirk Cousins?
0: Yeah, I, I'm anxious to see uh, what that market is going to be like for Brock, uh, you know, considering – and I'm sure they'll take a look at man. What's what's happened the last few years with them, and they'll look at tape. And you know, there may be a, a team out there that feels like he can come in and, and lead their team. And now, um, a lot of that has to do with what what, what he's what he's put on film. You know, if, if they if a team feels like, all right, he's got the tools that I, that I think I can work with. I think I can get them better. Somebody, they, somebody may pay him eight, ten million dollars a year. I, I, <laughs> wow. Wow! Can you imagine Brock getting eight to ten?
2: I think it's a little high. I'm thinking five. He's got more games than AJ McCarron. That's true, but not thing, good games though. Uh, they're, they're paying. They're paying for upside. Yeah. With, with AJ McCarron, someone's going to back up the Brinks truck to his garage based on perceived upside. didn't AJ, and what, what year did AJ come out? AJ, he's uh, what
0: he's fourth year fourth fifth year
2: yeah well the the whole thing about it was that uh, he was on the practice squad and uh, you know basically did they kind of hold him down and that he had to petition to hit free agency this year yeah and and he and he did in the end but he only uh, he's got four career starts one of them was in the playoffs man I, I, I'm still nervous about the kind of money that's being talked about for AJ McCarron.
0: That is, it's insane. It really is. And if someone actually signs him for twenty million dollars, I would be flabbergasted.
2: If he's worth twenty million dollars, what's Case Keenum worth?
0: <laughs> right, because they're saying, "What did uh? Yeah, I mean, what did Blake Bortles sign for?
2: Blake Bortles signed for what nineteen? At twenty, I think the guarantee is twenty-six million on Blake Bortles. What was it, what's his average each year, though? I think his average is around. What was uh, what was it fifty-four million dollars? So that's uh, eighteen million a year. Yeah, potentially eighteen a year. But the guarantee is the key. Yeah, yeah. But think about that. He, he eighteen
0: a year, and he just took the team to the AFC the Championship, championship game. game. And then you're gonna come out and give AJ Mc, uh, AJ McCarran more than that.
2: See, I would, I would hope that the Blake Bortles contract means that maybe McCarron's value settles at something reasonable. Yeah. Now. What's reasonable to you? Well, when <laughs> I was in Maui and I had not seen uh, any of the tweets about McCarron and the perceived value, I tossed out $10 million. Right. And then Ryan said, well, Ian Rappaport said he might – command 17 18 million and i'm like whoa yeah i was thinking 10 as well but
0: even 10 is high for four starts <laughs> oh I mean, man i know that's the going rate. I, la
2: I know that's where we're going but my goodness yeah when you step back and think about it it's a little absurd it really is and i can see if he all right
0: he's with the team he goes out he wins five, six games, you know, team gets behind him. Yeah, all right, we got some potential. But with three games that he played, and they, those weren't games last year. It wasn't like, all right, yeah, he, he finished up with three wins to the season last year. No, this was 2015.
2: <laughs> oh, my God Well, technically, a couple of them were in 2016 on the calendar because they were after the new year. But it was the 2015 season.
0: I can't wait to see what he signs for. I cannot wait.
2: There, the reaction, if his contract does hit the sixteen to $18 million oh. average per year value, the reaction is going to be similar to Brock Osweiler's contract when he joined the Texans. Yeah. Now, the other question is how much of it is guaranteed. Is it going to be a big number that's put out there, but maybe there's a low guarantee and it's something you can get out of after one year? Because, like, take, for example, Mike Glennon, okay? Mike Glennon si- signs that deal with the Chicago Bears last year. And it was three years, $45 million. And people went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> He will be released by the Bears. Ryan Pace, their general manager, announced this at his press conference yesterday here at the Combine. He will be released, and he will have made $18.5 million, and that's it. Because the guarantee ended up being $18.5 million, which basically was roughly half of the guarantee that Brock Osweiler got. Wow. So it's all about the guarantee. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Osweiler did better than Glennon. Yes. (laughs)
2: Osweiler also had fewer starts before he signed with the Texans than Mike Glennon had with Tampa Bay. Mike Glennon started nearly a full season with Tampa Bay before Jameis Winston came aboard.
0: Yeah, but I I think that also with, um, you know, the relationships, the close ties between the Broncos and the Texans, the Texans probably, you know, they they figured, hey, we got it. We got an inside scoop on it. We kind of know what this guy can do. And, Uh uh they Barry knew that, and Rick Smith. Yeah, and they knew that we were counting
2: on him being our starting quarterback mm-hmm. once once uh Peyton retired. And and also with Brock Osweiler, the Texans did not have the intention of adding a young guy.
5: Right. Whereas the be Bears
2: in the back of their mind it was, you know, Mike Glennon and then they got Mitchell Trubisky a month and a half later. With Mike Glennon at the team draft party. <laughs> I'll actually say this. Oh man, I, 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 I could. Can you imagine the look on his face? Here's my advice: uh, <laughs> If the Broncos have a similar dra- team organized draft party, if the quarterback they sign in the next few weeks is not Kirk Cousins, if it's a guy who is a potential bridge quarterback, don't have said bridge quarterback at, at the, the team draft. organized yes. draft party.
0: Yeah, he'll see everybody so happy about the Rick. Right. Have
2: somebody have somebody else. Have, you know, Vaughn, Chris Harris Jr., you know, Brandon Marshall, Demarius Thomas. Uh, name your guy. There's, a, there's still a lot of star power on this team. Wow. A lot of other guys you can go through.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. It wouldn't be a good look. No. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. He's he got the look on his face like. Why are you yeah. guys so happy?
2: <laughs> this
0: guy's coming. He's going to replace me.
2: Yeah, That's my, un- that's my unsolicited marketing advice for the day. First and 10 at 10, Orange and Blue 760. If you want to join the conversation, text us 57739. Start with sports. We've had some good texts today. We'll keep reading them. Um, you can call us 303-713-7600. Hit us up on Twitter at Orange Blue 760. We had some good tweets today as well. Orange and Blue 760 on Facebook. Actually, here's a, another text message i do like ryan (laughs) yeah hey good hey that's appreciated that's appreciated also i'm curious why the coin toss for the ninth and tenth pick between the raiders and the 49ers how does that come about well here's what it's all about you have teams that are tied based on record and then they're tied based on strength of schedule and then when they're in opposite conferences, it goes straight to a coin toss tiebreaker. When they're in the same conference, another tiebreaker comes in in between that, which usually ends up settling it. When they're in opposite conferences like that, you usually you, it goes from strength of schedule, which was even between the 49ers mm. and the Raiders, and straight, goes straight to the coin toss. That's why they're having the coin toss, and it's in these coin tosses that they have, and they usually have one every few years, they happen here at the Combine. They'll actually, I believe, have a coin that will have both the Raiders and 49ers logos on it. They'll, Yeah, they will make a special coin for this. Wait a minute, so is, it,
0: is it this big technical deal where, you know, is it a big technical
6: deal? So I went last year. I believe it was Vikings and Colts. Does that sound right? It was. Oh, Vikings and Eagles. I believe. Uh, They're the same conference. Right. And I, I'm not even sure how. Because
2: it, it, it actually, it, it, they were tied on they were tied on another count as well. Yes.
4: But,
6: but it had something to do, because the Vikings and Eagles didn't have the same record two years ago. It was like a, a pick that the Vikings had acquired. Right. Okay. okay. That's what it was. And so the the Vikes had acquired a pick, or a, a pick that the, Col- or that the Eagles had acquired, one way or the other. And so you had Howie Roseman, yeah. and you had Rick Spielman, and it was the most exciting thing of the Combine. And I went over and I videotaped it because they don't, they don't videotape the uh, bench press because the NFL Network carries that. But they let us videotape the – or at least shoot a photo of it. And it has it, – it's the only thing in the combine that has a real tangible result. So it's kind of exciting. They show you the coin. They're like, here's our special coin. It's got a Viking on one side and an eagle on the other.
2: Or was a Colt – because it was the Colts, it was a Colts logo. Oh. But the Eagles benefited. That's what it was. Yeah. So, oh, so
6: Chris Ballard was there from the Colts and Howie Roseman was there, and Rick Spielman yep. was there. That's what it was. And so then they flip it, and I think the Vikes won, or maybe the Eagles won, I and mean, you just see yeah. yeah, they get excited, and Ballard's like, okay, great, it's not our pick. And, yeah, Roseman, and you, I'm reading the story. Yeah. Roseman, <laughs> right. was, Roseman was ecstatic right. when the Vikings logo landed face up.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, so whatever
6: it was, you see one yeah. GM get excited, the other one like, eh, and then they walk away. But like yeah. for about 30 seconds or a minute, It's pretty dramatic. So tomorrow at 12.30 Eastern, so 10.30 right in the middle of your show, they'll do it right over, and you'll be able to see it, especially if we maybe slide that TV out of the way. Yeah, They'll do it on the stage at the bench press. You'll have John Lynch and most likely John Gruden. I think John Gruden is working on being the face of the Raiders more so than Reggie McKenzie. So -hmm. I think you'll probably have Lynch and Gruden. And they'll flip it, and one will be excited, and one will just be like, oh, "Okay." And then they walk away. It's it's really exciting, though, for like I said, for about a minute.
2: Now that we're gonna need a signaling system, maybe oh. from you to kind of help us.
6: I might try to live stream it if they'll let me. They may not. I don't know because it says no photography area. But yeah, if not.
2: Yeah, we're not using a camera. You know radio. what?
6: I, but you know what I should get is. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I'll just take the mobile uh, broadcast unit I'll yeah, broadcast exactly. from over there. Yeah. So yeah, okay, anyway. so, that is tomorrow at ten thirty Mountain Time.
2: Join us it's a big deal. for the coin toss between the Raiders and the 49ers. Plenty more coming up on the other side of this break. Orange and Blue 760 live from the NFL Scouting Com by First and 10 10. Andrew Mason, Ring of famous Steve Atwater. Plenty more. Stay tuned.
6: Going into this year, we've got some young guys
1: that we think that uh, you know can really come and help us. You know, Like Garrett, I think he'll get a lot better because of the experience that he has. As well as Demarcus stand at D line, and so and then we got Jake Butt coming off IR.
2: That was that was John Elway uh, talking yesterday to local media. One of his uh, multiple uh, media availabilities yesterday. He also did a press conference with both local and national media here the National Scouting Combine. Andrew Mason, Ring of Famer Steve Atwater, back with you here. First intent 10 at 10, Orange and Blue 760. Taking you right on through to 1 p.m. here. And then it'll be Brandon Cristal and Matt McChesney with all access from 1 to 3. They're also live here in Indianapolis. If you want to join us, 303-713-7600. Or you can text us, 57739. Start with sports, at Orange Blue 760 on Twitter. Orange and Blue 760 on Facebook. Uh, we are currently... Taking advantage of that four-minute break to enjoy some of the pizza from Pizza Hut that was brought to us here, uh, as the NFL was get NFL officials that were bringing pizza all along Radio Row. Of course, yes, they uh, have a new pizza sponsor now uh, for the league, which is Pizza Hut. So, pizza boxes should have been Pizza
0: Hut all along.
4: (laughs) I like Pizza Hut.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, what's interesting is Pizza Hut and uh, Pepsi are kind of have a affiliation, and Pepsi is a league sponsor. And of course what's interesting is teams have their own sponsorship. so Pepsi's a league sponsor Coca-Cola is a team ah. is a team sponsor like so the Broncos have a deal with Coca-Cola and then league-wide it's Pepsi so it's interesting how you have all these things kind of competing with each other it's you know it's,
0: so we'll stick with we'll stick with Coke then. Yeah uh,
2: you know thing is I mean I like to drink Diet Mountain Dew sometimes so you know it's yeah. it, it's it, these you know you, you, it's like you can't you can't go all together one way, all together another way. It's kind of how it goes. We've got a poll running on first on Orange Blue 760 and also on Mace Denver on Twitter. And it's a real simple question and a real relevant question. I think at least relevant to a free agency. And it's about Kirk Cousins. Where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up signing? 43% right now say Minnesota. 43% say Denver. It's dead even right now. You've got a little more than an hour left to cast your votes. 12% New York Jets. 2% say somewhere else. So you can vote on that right now at OrangeBlue760, at Mace Denver on Twitter. Here's another comment. Uh, this one from Chris. This is on Twitter. Minnesota, if he wants to win, Jets, if he wants money, pretty simple to see that unless you're looking through orange-tinted glasses.
0: So he doesn't see any case where he would be coming to Denver. Then. Right.
2: Basically sees the two primary thi- factors that he would consider going against the Broncos, does, does Chris on Twitter. Hey, what about? What, what about the
0: town? Yeah, what, what about when the playing days are over? Are going to be a Minnesotan?
2: You can live wherever you want. Maybe he wants to live in, in western Michigan. He's from, I believe, Holland, Michigan. Hey, well, hey, Minnesota may be the place then. Maybe I mean with the money that he's going to get from this contract and the money he's earned from being a great has tag to a couple of years in a row, he can live wherever he wants. If he wants to live in Tahiti, he can live in Tahiti. I mean he can Good point. I mean <laughs> I would actually say this, if when he retires Having just been to Maui for a week, I'd say if I had that kind of money I'd go live in Maui. <laughs> would you? Oh yeah. It's fabulous. Well you know what? I wouldn't. <laughs> Why? Because
0: I I I gotta be around people that I like being around. I mean I'm sure I would probably meet friends over there, yeah. but I don't want I don't wanna do that right now at this stage <laughs> of my life. I got I got my friends. I got all the people that I wanna meet, I'm good.
2: <laughs> you, did, you, you, you can't handle more. You're just done. Like,
0: no, I don't want to well, start over, though. You know, because I, I don't know anybody in Hawaii. You
2: didn't really know me a few months ago. You didn't really know Ryan. Yeah, but I still know
0: I know a bunch of people that where I where I live. Though I don't love ah. people in Colorado. So yeah, this is yeah. Home, this is home, and yeah, still create great relationships. But I don't want to go and start from ground zero.
2: Okay, so it's like if. If people are connected to Colorado, it's like, okay, I've got room for them. But you don't have room for, like, in a new spot to build No, I would have to. I don't want to, though. Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't want to start over, man. You got to buy. Now.
2: Is is this why you came home? Yeah.
0: I love being home. After
2: being in Atlanta and being in the the DMV. Right. uh, Delaware. DMV is what they call. Uh, District, Maryland, Virginia. District, Columbia. Yeah.
0: DC, Maryland, Virginia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that Delaware?
2: Maryland, Virginia? No, no. that would be the Delmarva Peninsula.
0: Come on, man. DMV.
2: Oh. We Good almost catch. had a disaster. <laughs> An open can of soda. <laughs> right by the main. <laughs> by, the, by the Comrex. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim Spence, he goes, what the heck y'all doing up there? <laughs> Everything is fine. Nothing's filled. <laughs> it's all good. We're good, Spence. Another another one, this one from uh uh Mile High Justice on Twitter. I'd kill to see Kirk Cousins in orange and blue, but let's be honest. The Jets have more ca- cap space and a better team and better coaching staff. Who don't? the Jets? Or or the, the or the Vikings. Oh I think he says they, but I think it's for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Bear team, bear coaching staff. No way he signs here. A little teary eyed uh emoji. I don't know, man. I I I wouldn't give up on it. I wouldn't give up on it. Well, right now, Minnesota has reclaimed the lead 44% to 42% on the Twitter poll. So we'll see. Coming up in just a little bit, conversation between two Broncos ring of famers. Steve Atwater and John Lynch, general manager of the 49ers, they caught up with each other earlier today and – You know, these are two guys that we are, we in the Broncos realm, are pushing to get into the Hall of Fame, couldn't quite get either of them over the finish line this year, hoping that changes over the next few years, but of course, John Lynch, very good first year as general manager of the 49ers, taking on on that role, but... uh, Really cool that you had a chance to catch up with him. And, uh, uh, Steve, uh, what do you think of uh, how John Lynch is uh, doing out in San Francisco?
0: I think he's doing a a fantastic job, Uh, both he and Kyle. I'm really proud of both of them. I mean, I can't imagine what a transition it had to be for John going from the broadcast booth to being a full-fledged general manager. But, fortunately, he has a lot of support. You know, he knows some really good people. He and John Elway are good friends and can certainly lean on uh, John for uh, just discussions. Uh, you know, if he needs to bounce ideas off of. Now, I'm sure he wouldn't do that as much now because somewhat of a competitive mode uh, with you know the different different NFL teams. But I think he's doing a wonderful job. Uh, I think it's just the beginning. I think they're going to going to continue to improve as a team, and um, hopefully for him, they'll get back to the San Francisco. Uh, way of winning, and I got the experience
2: that my rookie year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, and, wasn't fun for me. Yeah, that's not something that anyone who was a Broncos fan, Broncos player, Broncos coach really wants to remember, Super Bowl twenty four. Oh, man. Ugh. That was one of the worst days of my life. And when you woke up, you thought it might be one of the best days of your life.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That morning, I was like, oh, man,
2: yeah, that's going to be it.
0: When you sleep at night, tears.
2: You cr- like crying after the game. No, I didn't. Read. Yeah, I did. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, really. Oh yeah, man, that was that was emotional, man. I mean, we put everything into that. But the one thing, though, I'll say, and this is now this is me from a distance, and this is why I want to ask you this. A cl- I would imagine that a close loss would be different than a blowout because. When it's twenty-seven-three at halftime, is it? Do you kind of like have more time to process and accept the fact that you're going to lose the game just because <laughs> it's it's lopsided, and you basically you, you kind of know in your mind this is it's headed this way. Well,
0: I guess the thing is, it's hard. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, you know that, man. We, we're probably not going to win this unless we have a miraculous comeback. But more so than that, it's, it was for me realizing that they were that much better than we were, uh-huh. and I thought that we were a really good football team. Uh-huh. It was not our day, to say the least. You know, thinking about it as I've gotten older, uh-huh. I have you know, had to process it and look at it a little bit differently that hey, it just wasn't our day. But back then, I thought we were, we were the best team. I thought we were going to go out there and win the game thought we had a great game plan.
2: But it was like once I got into the game, everything I thought was true was not true. Now let me ask you this. Obviously, as you went on in your career, the 97 and 98 teams were probably clearly better than that 89 team. Mm -hmm. But as a rookie, that was the first NFL team that you knew. So let let me fast forward here. The 91 team... Actually had a better record than the '89 team. Mm-hmm. It didn't make the Super Bowl. We lost to the Buffalo. But do you think that team was better than the '89 team, and would have had a better chance in the Super Bowl if it had gotten there?
0: I think it would yes, I do. I think it would have had a better chance of winning if we if that was gotten my there. theory
2: on it. I thought you, I thought that team would have been better equipped to go in and have a shot. Yeah, but again. guys like you were two years, you know, you were two years older, you were two years better. Yeah, and I thought, I, I'll tell you, I thought.
0: After we went to the playoffs that my third year, 1991, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, every year or so we'll get to the playoffs mm-hmm. or, you know, we'll get close and then we'll, we'll just have to have a little bit of luck on our side and mm-hmm. hopefully we can overcome some of the adversities. But then I didn't see the playoffs anymore until. <laughs> you missed it two straight
2: years after that. Yeah. Yeah, not playoffs, but we didn't get yeah. back,
0: you know, AFC championship game right. and all that.
2: You never had back-to-back losing seasons as a pro. Yeah. That's a good feeling, too. How about that? Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, And that's something remarkable about the Broncos franchise since Pat Bolin became the owner. And actually, it goes back even further. You can go all the way back to the early 1970s. They have not had back-to-back losing seasons since 71-72. So this team
0: has some pressure on it this year. Yes,
2: that that's a streak that's on the line this year.
0: Yeah. And not yeah, the team players, coaches, everyone has pressure to make sure we don't let that happen again.
2: And that's and I honestly I think that's one of the things that as far as what this team needs to uphold as far as beyond itself, franchise wise. That's, you know, there were some things that kind of went out the window last year. But at least being 500 and not having a losing season, okay, obviously you want to go to the playoffs, you want want to have the best season possible. But in the big picture, you cannot have a losing season this year because I think that not having back-to-back losing seasons in – in 45 years, that's wow. a remarkable that streak a, yes. for this franchise. It really is. That's something you can't lose. You cannot afford to lose. That's a To me, that is a defining trait of what has made the Broncos the consistent beacon of excellence that they are. Yeah, that, the team that they've can been, bounce, back. They right. to bounce back
0: after a bad season. Exactly.
2: That they've been down, but never they've never stayed down. At wow. least not since those... First early days, those first thirteen years where they didn't have a winning season. Once they got past that, once they got past that in '73, everything has been different since then. Wow, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a record. Yes, and did Kirk Cousins know about that? It's worth it's worth mentioning to him.
0: Hey, look, man, you have You you got to be a part of it, man.
2: It, that if you're John Elway and you're sitting across the table from him, and you say, Kirk, this franchise has not had back-to-back losing seasons since 71 and 72. And I'll be damned if it's going to happen on my watch. And that's one reason why I want you here. Mm. Because you can help it, you can help make sure that that doesn't happen right now. That this that this losing streak stops right here. That's one bad season and that's it. And then Kirk will say, how much you got? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, Steve. So I hear those words, but uh, what you got to back it up with?
2: You got enough. E- enough. Maybe maybe not as much as the Jets could offer, but enough. it's, and tw- remember, it's 20, the, is 28 enough to get it done, 28 a year? Maybe. Your dollar goes a lot further in Denver than it does in the – New York metropolitan area. absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) Steve Atwater, John Lynch, they spoke earlier today. A pretty good interview between two ring-of-fame safeties, two guys who have been a part of the Broncos' long and storied history at that position that goes all the way back to Goose Gonsolin back in the early 1960s. Please give that a listen. (laughs)
6: <laughs> just go and then we'll edit it up. So,
0: Mr. John Lynch, GM for San Francisco 49ers. second year, man. What's what's it been like? It's
8: been awesome. Uh, it's uh, I tell you one thing in this job, uh, you're never looking for things to do. It's busy, uh, but that's part of what makes it fun. Uh, there's there's so much to do and it never stops. Uh, there is no off season. I mean, it just keeps going. And so, uh, but it's something I love, just like you do. Uh, you love the game and you love being around it and. Uh, that's what drew me back, and, and uh, we've got some exciting things going on with the Niners, uh, but we also understand that we've got a long way to go, and we got to start it all over again this year, um, and uh, we're excited about that process. Being here in Indy's is exciting because you're seeing all these, all these great players and opportunity to see them all in one space. Uh, not playing football, but doing some things, measurables that are important. But I think the the biggest thing I get out of this is the opportunity to meet with these guys for 15 minutes. It's it's a short time, but that's the time everybody has. So you try to make it as effective as possible.
0: Yeah. What do you remember from your days back when you were here at the combine <laughs> as a player? <laughs> I remember we didn't have as nice a gear
8: <laughs> you know I, uh, it was a blur, man, you know, and uh, I remember going into those meetings, you know meeting with teams and how exciting that was, and so I think that helps to know that yeah these guys these are real nerves, you know the fact that a guy's nervous, don 't hold that against them that means it matters to him, so I think there is some value to that
0: yeah. so how, how much of an impact can a player make at this point because you 've seen film on them and yeah. now you get a chance to kind of. You know, see him up close and personal running drills and that. Can it make a huge difference right now?
8: Yeah, I think where it can, and I think you have to be careful that you don't put too much weight on, you know, as some people call the underwear Olympics, you know, (laughs) because the film should really tell the story and the makeup of the guy. Um, But what it can do is either confirm some things you thought about a guy. Or answer some questions. Hey, this is a guy we really like. Played at a smaller school, but we're we're wondering about his speed against higher level competition. And then maybe it can confirm in a in a negative way. Hey, all right, maybe we should be concerned about that. Right. So it does answer some questions, but I think you can get in trouble when you start putting too much on this. We've all seen examples of guys came and blew the doors out the combine, but maybe their film wasn't great, and how that works out. But everyone's got their own philosophies, and that's that's what makes this fun.
0: Yeah. And now you guys got your quarterback situation squared away yeah. with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I don't know if you can speak on your thoughts on some of these rookie quarterbacks coming out this year. And, yeah. you know.
8: I think in a broad sense I can. I, I just think it's a real strong class. And, you know, I we were in the situation looking for a guy last year. And I, I could tell you the options weren't that great. You know, I think it's pretty unique that teams, it's a good year to be looking for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because whether you're looking at free agency where there's a number of high-level players or this draft, you know, there's a number of, I think, guys that belong uh, to be talked about where they are being talked about high up in the draft. I So I think it's a good year if you're looking for a quarterback because there's there's options at your disposal and you can pick what's, what's your cup yeah. of tea. But I am happy that, uh, you know, I'll be watching a lot of other drills and we don't turn a blind eye to anything. We scout these guys. Um, We also like our backup, C.J. Beathard. He was a rookie last year, played very well for us. So we we feel good about our position there. Um, But this is a talented class.
0: Yeah, okay. And also, again, along those same lines with with you having uh, your quarterback, Jim Garoppolo, sold up, you guys still have a ton of cap space. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's got to be exciting, knowing that you still can build your team and having your quarterback secured.
8: No doubt. You know, we got mid-50s left in in cap space, and so we're well-positioned to make – to be aggressive if we wish but I think the one thing we you know I think again having gone through free agency myself as a player just because you've had success uh, and have been a a good a great special player someplace the fit is so important and so you don't want to just throw out money you want to make sure that it's really a good fit because we're all trying to do this thing and we are I know such that we don't set it up for a one-year run we set it up for sustained success and I think the fit becomes really important. That's the challenge of free agency. Yeah, he did well elsewhere. How would he? How would he? How would that translate?
2: John Lynch, general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, Broncos Ring of Famer, Hall of Fame finalist, catching up with Steve Atwater uh, earlier today, and I'll tell you what—they don't need a quarterback, but pretty clear, he likes the quarterback class, and certainly, they were doing their homework on these quarterbacks before they felt comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo being the guy turning their future over to him but i mean they, they seemed like they were doing the you know the the, the legwork on those quarterbacks you know going throughout last year before they made the trade even after they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo you know before they found out that okay they could turn the future over to him know that he was the guy. They like what they see there, but they're in good shape. 50 million, like he said, mid-50s in cap space. He likes some possibilities in this draft. I'm fascinated to see what direction they go in. I think running back's a possibility for them, but uh, plenty of options for them. I
0: mean, it was a really good situation for them, being able to get Jimmy Garoppolo in uh, mid season and being able to evaluate him enough to feel comfortable to say, all right, this guy's... He's going to be our quarterback for the next several years, you know, pending injuries or any of the other stuff. Uh, and they, they can make a commitment to him. They made a serious commitment to him. Many teams don't have that luxury to be able to get a guy to where they can really see what he is before they offer him a, a big contract like that. So, uh, yeah, kudos, kudos to to uh, John Lynch and the rest of their, their staff over there getting for getting that done. Uh Yeah. How they which which way they go in the draft? They could get Saquon Barkley. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness!
2: They have to move up.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely have to move up because he won't be there uh, at nine or ten.
2: Yeah, I mean they would require sacrificing some draft capital, prob- perhaps this year, maybe even in future years. But I think what's interesting with the way Jimmy Garoppolo came on and the momentum they got late last year, and how. Everyone else in the division, for the most part, you have Cardinals in flux, Seahawks in transition. The Rams had a really good season, but maybe there's a little bit of regression there. I think the 49ers feel like they can push for the playoffs this year, and certainly it wouldn't be the most awkward or unusual notion for them to trade up, to get Saquon Barkley, perhaps, to sacrifice a future a second- or third-round pick to try to move up a few selections to get Barkley if he drops to four or five. Now, that being said, Cleveland might take him one, take that possibility <laughs> off the table. But a, a, lot of, a lot of potential possibilities for the 49ers, and we're going to see them up close because the, they're on the Broncos' schedule this year. Broncos have to go out to the San Francisco Bay Area, take on the 49ers in Santa Clara, the Broncos' first regular season game at... Levi Stadium, of course. They've been there in the preseason and they were there for Super Bowl 50. So plenty more to come on the other side. Top of the hour. We're expecting to hear from Saquon Barkley. Speaking of him, Penn State running back. He's going to have his press conference here at the Scouting Combine. So we're going to tap into that. And lots more. One more hour here on First and Ten at 10. Andrew Mason, Steve Atwater here with you from the Scouting Combine on Orange and Blue 760. Come on!
0: Here we go, we're going
1: live right now. Now,
0: first down Denver.
1: Live from the NFL Combine. It's first and ten at ten. Let's go, let's go. On Orange and Blue 760.
2: Hour number three from the NFL Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. Andrew Mason, Ring of Famer Steve Atwater here from the Indiana Convention Center. A lot going down. We got Saquon Barkley Set to have his press conference, the Penn State running back, a likely top five pick, maybe even a potential number one overall selection. There's a big media crowd around him. Meanwhile, within sight, the offensive linemen are set to begin the bench press. They're going to get going here in just another minute or two. It's a big moment for a lot of those guys. We'll see. We'll start getting some numbers from them here in the next few minutes. And... We're expecting to have former Jaguars running back Fred Taylor coming over here and joining oh, nice. us in a few minutes. You know, one of the better running backs of the last couple of decades. So, good job by Brandon Cristal for getting Fred Taylor over here. So, we're going to have him. So, plenty of stuff popping here from the combine on Orange and Blue Seven Hundred and Sixty. Fred, is he still with the organization in some capacity? Well, actually, I'm not sure if he's still with the Jaguars. He is here. Mentoring the running backs, like oh. he's brought here uh, by the uh, by the NFL Legends group, and uh, he's working with the running backs. They'll be here, so chance to be at, maybe ask him his thoughts on some of these young running backs yes. in the class. Certainly, I'd, I'd like to hear what he thinks of uh, Saquon Barkley in particular.
0: Yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, Fred was a was a great running back uh, for many years down there in Jacksonville. And, and think he was there that year, they beat us in the playoffs. In the uh, AFC Championship game, I don't Not, think.
2: No, I, th- yeah, I don't think he was there in 96. Uh, he was yeah, he was there uh, later on in the 90s, 98, 99. He was there. And actually, uh, Saquon Barkley is talking now. Uh, Regis, can we uh, patch in and, uh, and pick that
5: up? I, uh, that I right? really don't look too much into that. Um, something that I believe in and something that I learned at Penn State is uh, you guys can control what you can control. And at the end of the day, uh, if you get focused on that stuff, you take away from yourself. Um, so I'm just focused on coming out here and try to dominate this this combine, uh, getting to know the guys, uh, and when I'm working out, push myself and push the guys I'm working out with every single day and try to get better. Uh, no, nah, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I played around 2.30 last year. Uh, I ranged anywhere from 2.28 to 2.30, 3.2. Um, you in here for two days, uh, uh, sitting down a little bit, eating a, eating a lot of food and meeting with a lot of teams, not really moving. I guess you could say uh, I weighed a little heavier than what I usually do. Um, but I really I weighed in at 232.6 uh, when I look down, and uh, that's something that I feel comfortable uh, playing at and feel comfortable running. Can you say that one more time? Um, my running style is, uh, like I said, I try to be a versatile player. Um, uh, I'm very confident in myself. Um, I feel like um, whether the ball's on the 99-yard line or the 1-yard line, I can find a way to get in the end zone, and um, I can do it all. I feel like I can, uh, I can, go, I can go over top you. I can beat you with speed. I can beat you with some wiggle. I can run through you. Uh, I, that's something that I continue to try to prove on every single day, too. Uh, uh, back at Penn State, Coach Up challenged us to have a two-belt and challenged us to um, try to develop your two-belt. and uh, That's why I watch film and watch film from a lot of great backs, like the Bells, the girlies, the, the Elliots and uh, try to take part of the game and add it to mine. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got that question a couple of times um, with the Giants picking at number two. Uh, if I was fortunate enough to go to a team like that, um, uh, and I had, if I had the success that um, I had in college football, and God bless me with the success in NFL, uh, I think that would be a good fit. Also, um, any team in my mind would be a good fit. Any team that would want to pick me in my mind would be a good fit. But uh, you look at that team. Um, uh, last year, they were in a lot of games too, and they had a lot of injuries. And but you got guys like Odell, um, that tight end, Sterling Shepard, uh, a quarterback that's established and proven himself, and got two Super Bowl rings. And uh, if I was fortunate enough to go to a team like that and have the success I had in college football, I think that would also be another good fit. No. Um, I am a competitor, uh, and I love I love competing, but when my mindset is that. Uh, I don't care if I'm drafted one, five, 72, or the last pick. Uh, I'm going to come in with my head low, ready to work, and uh, that's not going to change me. Um, that's why when every team drafts me, you're going to get the same person. You're going to get a guy that's going to be a competitor, uh, a guy who's passionate about the game. Uh, even though I'm a rookie, I'm going to try to be a leader best uh, best of my ability and just continue to work. Uh, my football dream started for me when I can remember when I was around seven, eight years old, um, but my dad had been telling me, I've been saying I would want to play in the NFL since I was two. Um, I was a New York Jets fan growing up and my dad said I used to sit there at a very young age and watch football with him and tell him I'm going to play for that team one day. And, um, I'm living a dream now. It's awesome uh, being here and uh, obviously being around these guys. And like you said, I think someone said it earlier, this group of running backs is from, he- from top to bottom. Is- it's excellent. Um, there's a lot of talent and uh, being around them and be able to live your dream and uh, hopefully be able to make that promise I made to my mom when I was a little kid at one point and buy our house one day. Yeah, uh, that that backfield, uh, that's another good fit, um, I feel like. Like I said, any team that that drafts me and picks me, I feel like that I could adapt and I feel like I could be a good fit, and uh, Andrew Luck is a great quarterback. Uh, Obviously, he didn't play last year uh, because of injuries, but um, if you look at the seasons before, his success speaks for himself, and uh, I never obviously got to meet him or um, got to meet anybody in the NFL, really, but uh, any team that wants to draft me, I would love to be there. It gives you confidence. Uh, it gives you a lot of confidence, especially um, Ezekiel Elliott, a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he's very talented and uh, arguably top five. You could argue number one running back in the, the NFL. And he came from the same division, the same conference I came from in the Big Ten. And he had a lot of success in the Big Ten, Big Ten, and I was able to have a lot of success in the Big Ten. And his game was able to, to, to translate to the next level, and I hope the, the same for mine. Uh, the Jets drafted me. Um, uh, yes, I am. I was a Jets, a Jets fan growing up, but, you know, right now you're kind of neutral. Um, you're very neutral because if the Jets draft me, the Giants, any team, it's going to be a blessing. Uh, no matter no matter what team drafts you, uh, you're never going to forget that moment, uh, the, the time when your name gets called and you walk up on that stage and you hang up that, and you pick up that jersey, and that's something that everyone here has dreamed about since I was a little kid. And uh, Any team, any team drafting is going to be special. going to be a special moment in my life, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, some of the people that I like watching run when I was younger. Obviously, I wasn't a—I uh, was alive for his last few years, but I wasn't old enough to watch and run. Uh, Barry Sanders. Um, uh, te- definitely, with technology today and YouTube and all these highlight videos and stuff like that, as a young age, I was able to see the things that he was able to do on the football field, and um, that guy—that guy is. Uh, um, I think I don't really need to say anything. He's, he's spectacular. he He's an awesome runner. And um, that was a great a great guy that I looked up to uh, growing up, not only on the field, off the field, uh, the way he carried himself. Um, he was humble uh, when he scored a touchdown and gave the ball to the ref. Um, if you look at his football life, uh, he's carrying cups to his old offensive linemen, and I think that's what a running back should be about, and I think that's what our position should be about. And I try to model myself after that and uh, people in the game today. Uh, I I've never, I I've never wanted to be like anybody. Um, that's something that my dad taught me growing up. Never want to be like someone. Be the next. Be the next you. And um, but I am a fan of the game. I am a fan of position, and I watch everyone, and I try to take pieces part of the games and add it to mine, and try to be uh, the most complete player I pops- I possibly could be. uh um that's a good question uh there has been some some plays where guys have done things and i'm like wow like that's amazing like uh alvin Kamara did something last year um he like caught a screen and like he got tackled but he didn't fall like he like Put his uh, his hand on the ground and like kind of spun and rotated and walked into the end zone, and uh, that was one of those plays. I was like, that's something that I haven't done yet, and uh, i would never say that I can't do anything. Uh, that's something that I'm definitely gonna challenge myself to do. And uh, guys like Le'Veon Bell, you're watching him run routes out the backfield and moving them outside to the slide and even outside wide, and uh, the route running, his ability. But uh, my mindset is to never say uh, I can't do that. Um, that's something that I want to watch, and I'm gonna challenge myself to try to improve and get get as uh, as comfortable I am as, as comfortable as I can get with that.
2: That was Saquon Barkley running back out of Penn State, speaking live here at the National Scouting Combine. And joining us right now here at the table here at Orange and Blue 760, former Jaguars running back, all-time rushing leader in Jaguars history, the great Fred Taylor. Good to have you, Fred. Fred Taylor. Hey, I appreciate
7: that introduction. <laughs> great. That sounds great.
2: Hey, man, I, I was in – I was in Tampa in college when, uh, as a Bucks fan, and I still recall you trampling the Bucks as a rookie in '98. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh,
7: the story behind that is, uh, my my high school teammate, my childhood best friend, Rideau Anthony, former mm-hmm. Florida Gator. Yep. Uh, I was down visiting him. He was hanging out with Big Sap. We were at Sap's place riding jet skis, and. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, young guy wanted to challenge. All right, I don't know what to expect from the NFL mm-hmm. other than it's the, the best of the best. And Sap, he's a beast. So I said, look, when we play y'all, I'm going to kick your butt. You know, I'm, <laughs> g- I'm going to have 100 yards. He said, all right, young boy, you better be careful what you ask for. Don't write a check. Your ass can't cash. <laughs> so, first play of the game. He hit me for a four-yard loss. I say, okay. Next play, two-yard loss. He said, that check going to bounce today, young boy. Whoa. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Right, right, But eventually, at the end of the game, about two minutes left, we were going into a hurry-up mode uh, just to get to the two-minute warning. Coach called a, a 36-0. I pulled behind Tony Buscelli, cut back, cut back, got down the left sideline, 74-yarder, game-winning mm-hmm. touchdown. Then I found him and said, all right, give me that check. <laughs> let me get that check. Yeah, you'll be cashing it. So, uh, in. Definitely good moments then. Three yeah.
2: touchdowns that day. Three wow. touchdowns. Reed
7: L. and I, it was yeah. a shootout. Yep, Two boys from Bell Glade. I think it was the rabbit feet we ate that day. <laughs> the peas and rice. <laughs> yeah,
2: great players from down there. The the muck bowl. The muck. That's muck right. City.
7: I mean, oh, you yeah. su-
0: you're such a violent runner and, you know, you, you're a dominant runner. You're so mild-mannered in person. Uh, have, have many people said that about you? Yeah, they
7: have. I give all that credit to my grandmother. You know, she was pretty strict. She was tough with that belt. She didn't mess around. <laughs> uh, but more than that. Um, it it's all in your heart. I can't change my heart naturally. This is who I am. I don't have to fake it, I don't have to be phony. Um I'm a lot of times I'm just a guy who God gave a lot of ability to play ball. You know, people meet me in the streets and passing restaurants, whatever it may be. Yeah, you are Right. <laughs> and and they're surprised by how open and receptive I am to photos, conversations. Sometimes my wife say yeah, I didn't know you talked that much, right? You know, because I'm just there, and I, I never really cut a conversation short. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just who I am.
0: No, that's good stuff.
7: Yeah. But on the field, that was something that you had oh, to transform. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Or they were going to get you, right? People, guys like you, yeah. you're definitely going to get no, you. Man. <laughs> you have to protect yourself. No.
2: Did this guy never hit you though. You guys never went head to head, right? I or, think. we oh, in, wait, no, you did. In 98. ninety-eight. Yeah, ninety-eight. 98. That's I right. Miss, I missed a tackle on yeah, you in ninety-eight oh. in
7: Denver. Yeah. Before I got a concussion. Oh. I, uh, it was John Mobley because I had an AC sprain yeah. in my right shoulder. So I went to pick him up this way, and he got the chin. Oh. And about, uh, I don't know, however long later. I, I don't remember any of the first quarter or second quarter. Went back in in the third, fourth quarter. And we did okay. Yeah. We did okay. Good matches, but I knew growing up watching you, it's like, don't let that man hit you. Oh, <laughs> i seen man. a lot of those hits. <laughs> so I try my best to avoid it.
0: Oh hey man, I'm going the same way nowadays. <laughs> oh well, yeah, of course. so uh, trying to trying to watch. So you were talk to me a little bit about what you're doing with with Jacksonville. Can you mm-hmm. mind sharing that with with uh, with us?
7: Yeah, it really it's uh, they brought me in. Uh, they offered me to the player personnel thing after I retired, but uh, I couldn't take that job simply because uh, naturally I'm going to give it to the young guys when I'm in the building anyway. I understand the influence and what I could have brought there. But uh, I wasn't ready to make that commitment. So they found another way to bring me in that isn't full-time, mm-hmm. and that's doing uh game day in-stadium analysis. So I'll give a few, my pointers, my insight, uh, pre-game, halftime, ha- after halftime, and two-minute warning to close the game out. Then I do a post-game radio show with Mike Dempsey and uh, J.P. Shatwick. So I'm there in studio when they're home. When they're away, I just do everything from, from my house. I'm doing that, consulting, investing, doing some marketing stuff with my marketing agent. Um, Really just trying to learn golf,
4: too. (laughs) (laughs) You never really learned that? Well, you know, you
7: you, you have to come to a realization that this is what I am. Uh You practice, and you say, I got to practice. I got to practice. I got to practice. Then you're neglecting other things. You know, and, and you're getting worse at other things, and you're still the same bad right. <laughs> at golf. So I come to the realization that this is it, man. Yeah. You know, take your occasional high 80, you know, and take your That's better than 90. I've ever done. No, no, that's once in my entire golf but life since I retired. I, I hit
0: 90 one time in my life. Uh-huh. And never again did I touch it. <laughs> <laughs> So,
7: I've come Where, to a realization. So.
0: No, no. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. I hit 90 one time, but um, I, 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 all my friends, they were in, there in, this, in the 80s, though. So. Right, right. Yeah, and that's uh, a
7: good moment. That, yeah. That's a good feeling. But uh, really, that, and I'm bus driver. I'm a full-time bus driver. Oh, Dad, yeah. I got kids. four boys oh, at yeah. home. Oh, okay. oh man. So, wow. And that's the big difference. When you're playing, everybody respects your day-to-day. No one would attempt to tell you to do this or do that unless it's the team, the PR department or something. Mm-hmm. Now. Everybody just pull you in dead, a lot of different dead. directions. Get here. You don't have a schedule. You don't have a job. Right. You know, don't downplay the work that I do because I do have a job. This is right. a job.
2: And you're here so, with NFL Legends. And you're yes. kind of working with the running backs. So what exactly have they got, have they got you uh, doing as far as, like, are you giving advice to these kids, kind of telling them what to expect? Of the next They're week? really just
7: sharing my experiences, okay. you know, and being as transparent as I can, as truthful and as honest as I can, talking about this process. You know, the expectations from the NFL, not just the NFL, but the legends community, guys like myself, guys like Steve, you know, guys that have uh, uh, set the tone, have helped with the foundation, the NFL, this new NFL, a lot of changes, and and just the environment overall, how to protect yourself, build your brand, protect it, and and how to take advantage of it, and uh, really just saying the expectations, what we expect you guys to do is to come in and be pros You know, so just sharing those different stories and uh, hoping that they listen, that's like the biggest challenge. Uh, Young guys don't always listen. It's one ear and out the other because of a sense of entitlement. We just try to keep everything at bay, you know, give it to them in moderation so that we're not hovering above them. And the, the, the guys that are usually the successful ones, they come to you. They pick your brains. And there have been some guys that have done that. That Barkley, he's Saquon, he, he is going to be, I think, a pro's pro, and I, I wish him the best because he's the one guy that asked the first question. Wow. And he wanted to know, you know, they say go and make an impression in your interviews. They're all 15 minutes. Well, he goes, well, you know, uh, how do you make an impression in 15 minutes if you have to be on time somewhere else? Because my impression is being three minutes, you know, early to the next interview. He's like, well, the, then the, the answer was they know you have places to go and places, you know, people to see, so they respect that. But it was good that he asked that type of question.
0: Yeah. So uh, you're making a, an impact in that manner. Uh, what, what do you recall from your days here at the Combine? And uh, were, were, were any programs like that available for you uh, when you were we through we, this we, process? we didn't
7: have that, those type programs. We didn't have uh, those immediate resources you know as a guy coming in you know once you're in obviously they gave you tons and tons of resources but just to to to, to be a conduit those sort, sort of resources you know we didn't have those uh but I think what I remember the most you know I was I was frightened about everything because I wanted to do so well right you know and if you're not a bit fearful you know you're, you're pretty much nonchalant you're going to go out there you know and complacency a lot of stuff can set in but I, I was afraid out of my mind you know uh in a, in a good way right you know because i wanted to to do the best that i possibly could do you know kind of trying to find my way from this place to that place seeing these scouts that scout this team to that team you know just kind of what they say like a chicken with your head cut off your scatter you all over the place but uh now the legends we can kind of help those guys in that transition i said hey You have to be here. You have to be there. Because they also have uh, scouts in the group as group leaders as well.
2: Okay. So what other legends have joined you uh, with this process helping these uh, young guys?
7: Well, uh, you have uh, Orlando Pace helping with the linemen, Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, Max Starks. He's helping with the linemen. Uh, You have Brian Westbrook. He's helping with the running back, So he's the other running backs helper. And then um, Mark Brunel, he's helping with some of the quarterbacks. a few other guys that I hadn't seen, but they're in different groups, Mm -hmm. so I hadn't just seen them yet.
0: Now, how big of an emphasis do you think teams place on how the student-athletes perform at the Combine versus what they see on film?
7: I I think they place a a huge emphasis considering they have to know that these are high-character guys, and I think that's the one thing that stands out the most you know they have the the tapes, the scouts, the college scouts, the pro scouts. Everybody's evaluating them. The coaches are evaluating them. Each position coach, the head coach, uh, the GM, just everybody across the board. Uh, they're gonna get that. But this is the first opportunity they get an actual opportunity to see the guy in person. You know to see his body type. You know looking at his neck. If he's a small neck guy, he might be more prone to injury. If he's a thick neck guy, you know he's gonna be a brawler. Or, guy who might not get injured as often. They're looking at, you know, the muscle uh, um, makeup, the, the different tissues. They, they're, they're looking at everything. Uh, but more than anything, I think uh, they're really studying and evaluating the character, how the guy conduct themselves, how they interview, because they're investing millions and millions of dollars into these players. They don't want to you know, get a guy who's, you know, talented to the umph degree, yet he can't maintain and control his head when the pressure's on him because mentally you have to be as sharp mentally as you have to be physically in this game. So uh, I think uh, it was Rick Spellman. He he opened up the orientation the other night. He said, guys, you have to be three things in this business. You have to be tough. You have to be competitive. and, And more than the other two, you have to be smart Yep. because this is a huge responsibility not just to yourself, but your family, you know, your team, and accountability starts here this weekend or this week. So I I would agree with him on that.
2: Chatting with Fred Taylor, former Jaguars running back, who's here with NFL Legends helping some of the running backs here at the Combine in their transition to the next level. And before we go, Fred, I want to ask you, how different is this whole Combine process now compared to when you came through it? Two decades ago. I mean,
7: look around. Uh, the stat that I got is thirteen hundred media. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thirteen hundred media here. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I was when I came through, I don't think it was televised. It wasn't televised. No, right, right, right as I remember it. Uh, another thing is the turf. You know, they have the AstroTurf, well, the field turf now, mm-hmm. versus the that AstroTurf that added a few tenths of a second to your uh, forty time. And a lot of guys were afraid to even run here then these young these guys now they they should run because they have the technology you know and everything is just meant to make this a much much faster game yeah and uh they have to again this is when with the media getting an opportunity to connect the players to the fans you know uh, uh for the first time really uh outside of your college fan your collegiate fan base so uh, that's the biggest difference and I think these young guys should grasp that and take full advantage of it because it's a great opportunity.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you some questions about Blake Bortles and go quarterback for it. and yeah. all Let's that do it. but actually I want to ask you uh, I want to go on the defensive okay, side though. Got it. Defense was dominated yes. last year mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. Uh, got some young young players, uh, AJ and yeah. um, what's the mother Ramsey kid? over yeah, there? Jaden Ramsey, yes, right, yes. Right. Church in the uh, back, uh, end. Amazing yep. players, but when they got into the playoffs, and then they started talking noise, that kind of turned me off. Just right. because it's my theory that mm-hmm. when you start talking noise, you put unnecessary pressure on right yourself. Target, right. yeah, right. yeah. I mean. Right. Guys, a heck of a player, man. Uh-huh. That whole defensive side, man, they are right. beasts. Right. But when they start talking to us, it's like, oh man, that's that's it's gonna make it more more difficult. Right.
7: And uh, you know, and teams, you no, know, they feed off that. You know, the bulletin board material, all that. I was a guy as humble as can be. You know, um, for the most part, when I got on that field, <laughs> you game. know, it is a whole different ball ball game. Uh, and then I, I, I wasn't fearful of bulletin board material because I knew. That I had to back it up, right? And yeah. I have to back it up anyway, or they are going they're out there trying to take something off my plate. So for that matter, I, I didn't mind a little, you know, you know, in fun, in competitive yeah. fun. Uh, to to, and I agree with you, uh, but to to Jalen's defense, it was consistent. He was, was from yeah. yeah, he was like he just training started training camp, yeah, through the entire AFC Championship as consistent as can be. And that's the one thing I love about the kid is that he's competitive, passionate, and he goes out there and he backs it up. He finds a way to back it up. Yeah. Uh, have a bad play, uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm coming back. You know, and you got to love those type of oh, players. Oh, you do. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were that way. Boye kind of got into it some. He wasn't as boisterous as um as Jalen on the other side, hey, Jalen pulled him in. Huh? But you know, <laughs> right? Because they are a great duo. Yeah, and the stats, the numbers show the, the entire defense sort of, you know, they, they they vibed in the emotions, they the energy, they all absorbed it together. Um, but yeah, they 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 had a tremendous run. The one thing I wanted to share with them was that um, it doesn't happen at that easy. It doesn't happen just because you're going to say uh, we, we next year. It's always about being in the moment. Now, the, the odds are you should be there again, right? Not necessarily there as the FC Championship, but you got the same guys returning, so you should get the, but injuries. You don't take those into account. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a tip ball that turns into a touchdown for another team. Like, things happen. Strange things happen in you never know. the game of football. So it's just taking advantage of the moment now, embracing that. But the good things are there, a young group, and I think that they're looking forward to next year and their awareness and all that stuff should increase and they should you know uh, their performance output should be much better
2: and you like keeping Blake Bortles around as well keeping that core together with him at right as, you, as, you know
7: uh, I think that Blake um, when they pull out this stat prior to the AFC championship game not many people know it but I'll share it uh, they looked at uh, they compared Blake and Eli Manning right Eli turned it up in his fourth year. He had a better year. They went and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Jacksonville was on that course. And when they pulled Blake's numbers, his com- percentage completion, INT, QB ratings, it was better than Eli by uh, at least five, ten points in each category. So when you look at that comparison, you look at the growth mm-hmm. and the, the ability, you know, the possibility and what he brings to the table. Being a guy like Big Ben who can extend those plays, a guy who – Finally, got a good defense and a running game with Leonard Fournette, who realized that um, I don't have to have all this pressure on me. I don't have to go outside of myself to try and make something happen. So, in that sense, he his turnovers went down. That's growth. You know, his completion uh, rate, uh, QBR went up. That's growth. Uh, just being a leader, a vocal leader. You know, not a guy who. Who was out, you know, being immature? He understood what the team needed and demanded of him. So that's growth. Now, as long as you're growing, I'll take a chance with you. And when you look at his his the the deal that he did, and when you weigh it out, people say, "Oh, they brought him back and gave him all this money." When you look at the options and uh, the structure of the contract, his old contract versus new, it's a smart move on the team's behalf. You know, because yeah. now they don't have to go out and overpay for, let's say, someone like a, a Cousins who's going to demand 20-plus million a year going forward. So, uh, you know, we'll see how, it you know, if it was a good or bad decision going forward. But it, it, here at the moment, I think it's a good decision by them. I really do.
2: Good stuff. Fred Taylor, really appreciate your hey, time. We God. appreciate it, it I appreciate man. the invite. Hey, Thanks. The legends are Always lucky to have see. you, man. Pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah thank man, you. appreciate thank you. It. Fred Taylor, legend, former Jaguars running back all-time thank Jaguars rushing leader. He's in town for the Combine, helping running backs through. we got plenty more on the other side. Orange and blue, 760. First in 10 and 10-10, Andrew Mace. Ring of Famer, Steve Atwater. we got more on the other side. Stay tuned.
5: We're talking about practice.
1: Something that we're missing? Uh, no, not at all. It's, it takes two sides to want to be somewhere. And if two sides don't want to be somewhere, then there's a reason that never works out. Now, okay. There's a reason um, Jimmy and the 49ers got done very fast. Both teams wanted it to happen. Yeah. And when not both sides want things to happen, it doesn't happen. And people can say those reasons all they want, but the bottom line is not both sides wanted that to happen. Yeah.
0: And Jimmy, Jimmy, the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, uh, I remember when that deal went down our, our third, third – uh, co-host uh he isn't here ryan edwards he's like why why would they why would the 49ers why would they pay him that much money i was like well because they knew that's who they wanted Uh and
7: don't write a check your ass can't cash (laughs) 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 so first play of the game he hit me for a four-yard loss okay next play two-yard loss he say that check going to bounce today, young boy. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Right, right. But
3: <laughs> I get my first NFL start as a running back. And Richard Smith calls me over and goes, I want you to go down and show these kids how to cover a kick. Yes. I'm doing them a favor. Yeah. So I run down the field, rocket, it smells a kick returner. I go over the wedge, hit rocket, lose my balance, break my leg. Oh, In Barcelona, Spain.
2: Man. Some highlights from our <laughs> interviews today. Kyle Shanahan, Fred Taylor, Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Chargers. Some good stuff. First sound by, of course, was Kyle Shanahan talking about Kirk Cousins. Of course, Kyle Shanahan coached Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. in Washington. Kyle was the offense coordinator. Kirk was in his first couple of years in the NFL explaining, hey, you know, got to have two sides to make it work. And uh, that's part of why he hasn't re-signed with Washington, and then second bite was from Fred Taylor, looking back on little game that he had back in '98, little little Tampa. back and forth with Warren Sapp back <laughs> then in 1998, and then Anthony Lynn talking about some of his some of his younger days when he was a Broncos player back uh, when he was Steve Atwater's teammate. Yes, he was 93, over in Barcelona, and, Spain. Yep, '93 in Barcelona, of course. Came back to the Broncos in '97 and '98. Real good stuff today. Here from the Scouting Combine. First and at ten, ten Andrew Mason. Ring of Famer Steve Atwater. One more segment before we hand the baton to Brandon Cristal and Matt McChesney. All access. One to three PM. They too are live from the Scouting Combine here in Indy. Actually, Brandon, great job getting us some interviews. He actually brought Fred Taylor and Kyle Shanahan and Anthony Lynn over. So good job yeah, producer from us. You now he, yeah, he's gonna be driving driving the show from 1 to 3 p.m., and and players are going to be talking, so we're going to to have some audio from that from the interviews and the press conferences that are going on right now. I'll bet you uh, they may have Quentin Nelson right off the top at 3 p.m. He's going to be talking, Quentin Nelson, of course, the guard from Notre Dame who's at the top of some draft boards, at the top of my draft board. I'm not saying he's going to go number one overall, but I think he might be the best player in this draft. He might certainly be the first guard. Yes, and... I think he's definitely going to be the first guard, a good chance to be the first offensive lineman. Usually the first O-lineman's a tackle, You're right. not a guard, That's and could be the highest guard taken in quite some time. You want to join the conversation, Texas, 57739, start with sports. Call in 303-713-7600, at OrangeBlue760 on Twitter, OrangeBlue760 on Facebook. On Twitter, we've got nine minutes left for you to vote in today's First and 10-10 poll, where do you think Kirk Cousins ends up signing? Right now, it's a dead heat. 43% <laughs> of you say Denver. 43% of you say the Minnesota Vikings. 12% the Jets. 2% somewhere else. Get your votes in. You got, like I said, nine more minutes to vote on that poll. And uh, let's I want to change
0: my vote. I can't change it, though.
2: Unless you have a super secret Twitter account that you can vote on, <laughs> no, I don't have it. I only have one. Oh. I, can, I, can, I can't keep up with two. Oh man, <laughs> you, you need like a secret Twitter account that you can, that you can access and uh, and vote on, so you can get that extra vote in. A uh, couple of uh, comments on the text line actually talking about Kirk Cousins. Um, this one from Robert: Think of the pressure Cousins would have if he went to Minnesota and they didn't do better, or at least go to the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, we've already discussed that.
0: Yeah, I mean, anything less than a Super Bowl victory, is, is is that not a successful season?
2: But here's the thing. If he's cut of the timber you think he is, don't you want him to embrace that pressure? Yeah, exactly. And if he's afraid of that, then he's not look, the guy you want, right? Look, for that kind of money, hey, he, he, he'd he be able to handle anything. Yeah, and for that, the kind of money that he's going to command, if he doesn't bring home a Super Bowl, At some point, while he's the quarterback of your team, then it's probably not a success. Yeah. Yeah. If the team does not go all the way. I mean, look, with Peyton Manning coming to Denver, and obviously, Kirk Cousins is not as accomplished as Peyton Manning when both of them hit free agency. We get that, okay? Mm -hmm. He's the best free agent quarterback since Peyton Manning. Would Peyton Manning's time in Denver have been considered a success without winning the Super Bowl? Wow, that's a good point. Let's say you only get there a couple of times and don't win. Do you call it a success? I would probably say not. Wow. Even if you get there, get there twice, lose them both.
0: Hey, we got there. Nobody
2: nobody cared about that. It's nobody. all about the ring. Yeah. All about the big ring. People don't even remember who was second place. Oh I do i could I, I could sit here right now and rattle off every Super Bowl loser in a row. I think the thing well, nobody Mace,
0: Mace, you're different though yeah all well, true yeah you, you, you know this stuff backwards and forwards, left and right, <laughs> right to left too. <laughs>
2: I would say so. it was still a success I, to me, if you don't get to the Super Bowl, it's not a success. No. You say that until you go and,
0: and you lose one the way we lost it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> I almost would rather
2: not gone that year. Really? Yeah, man. That, that was that was bad, man. I, you would have rather not gone to Super Bowl twenty no, four. you, all, you said almost, almost. Okay. but I'm
0: just saying it, it was yeah. it was. After the game, I was so disappointed, man. I'm telling you, that's that's probably one of the lowest days of my life. Losing that football game. Did
2: they have a party? After the game, still. Yeah,
0: but it wasn't really. It was like a, almost like a funeral.
2: Yeah, because I remember after Super Bowl forty-eight, the Broncos lose forty-three to eight. They still had a Super Bowl party. Like you can't you can't dance at a Super Bowl party. If no, and I just I remember I just went downstairs. I got something to eat. Got something to eat, and I'm like, I don't want to stand around for this. Right, exactly. And I just went back to my room. I didn't. I (laughs) I did the same thing. Yeah, and 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 it was interesting. I mean, there were some people who were, you know, a few people having a good time, but it just it was miserable. And you had a you had a band playing, and I'm just like, this is. This stuff is not right. Yeah. Now the Super Bowl party after the Broncos oh, won. Whole different story. Oh man, you didn't want that to leave. <laughs> to end. You didn't want to leave. I mean, they were, you know, they, they could have had that thing going until like seven, eight A. M. and people would have stayed. Oh, I remember that mm. one
0: too. That we yeah. won the first one, man.
2: Oh man. And that was
0: on oh, the other end yeah. of the spectrum. Hey, this is one of the greatest days of my life. Yeah. We had so much fun. We were everybody was dancing. I remember Shannon Sharp. He was like Shannon always had knee problems. Yes. And back then, I forget the name of the dance that he was doing, but he was holding on to one of the tables, you know, going down low. I'm like, all right, Shannon. The limbo? <laughs> no, it wasn't the limbo. No. Oh, I know. Don't. No was where
2: you kidding. do your knees like that. I forget the name of it. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I can picture it, but I don't know the name of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it was, it was definitely fun times. Yeah. Definitely fun
2: times. Do you remember the bands that played? or? I have okay. no clue. Cause I remember after after the Super Bowl forty eight loss, it was the Roots, the Jimmy Fallon House Band. I remember after the and Super, Super Bowl, Bowl fifty, Super Bowl fifty, it, it was, it was Florida. Florida. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was off the chain.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I went up in there for a little bit, uh, but I I can't listen to that music. I can't listen to the the loud music, man. It's the, the speakers were banging. I'm yeah. like, man, I, I can't. Can't do it. I had to go back into the area where the families were. Where yeah,
2: we're. were, uh, were I, I was there for that. I was there for a bit, and I had a couple of drinks, and it was fun. But you could only do I could only do, but so much of it. I guess it was almost like they had like the the young the young people's party, and then the older people's party. i was a little bit more over the older people's party, where there was a different band. It was a little bit more mellow. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, that was a little bit more my speed. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, that was. It was still fun. Oh, it was fun. Mm-hmm. That whole that whole night was fun.
0: Um, yeah, and I was so happy for all the people because uh, mm-hmm. Wade he was here and he hadn't won a Super Bowl. Yes, that was his first Super Bowl. I was so so happy for him, uh-huh. uh, and of course everyone in the organization. It was great great time.
2: Yeah, it was memories. Yeah. Now I just got to find a way to get back there. Yep. Again, and uh, let's see a couple more texts about cousins. Speaking of this. All the would-be cousins, suitors for cousins are falling away. Does that tell you something? Well, I wouldn't say they're all falling away. Okay, Jacksonville. Were they really a suitor? I mean, there was speculation about them, but as we just got done discussing with uh, Fred Taylor, former Jaguar who's still connected with the organization, does uh, does some you know does does some consulting with them and does some commentating for them uh, on their pregame show that it was probably the right play for them to keep Blake Bortles as far as having continuity and building off what he'd done, building off the growth he'd shown, especially from year three to year four. So I'm not sure that the Jaguars were ever truly a would-be suitor for Kirk Cousins.
0: I agree with that. And they you know, said they went back and looked at the stats, compared them mm-hmm. to uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Was it Eli Manning or Peyton Manning? Eli. Eli Manning, yes. yes Eli and uh, said that his stats were better, better than Eli's stats. Uh, so they felt comfortable that, hey, man, we, we have a guy who's growing. He's on the right path. He can become an elite guy. And hopefully for them that that, that works out that way. Hopefully they're not uh, kicking, kicking the TV next year if Kirk Cousins goes someplace else and is able to have the success that uh, you know a lot of people are projecting he'll have.
2: Yeah, this and this, the same texture says, Denver would be fools to pay mediocre Cousins all that money. He he is no Joe Namath like you've been talking him up. Nobody is pining that he's leaving. Well, you know what? I I gotta disagree because we've heard from people, and we heard you know we talked to people in Washington that uh, were not happy about Kirk Cousins moving on from from Washington. That do not think that they upgraded by going from Alex Smith to Kirk Cousins, and. I'm, and you say mediocre, Texter, I'm sorry. You can't call a guy whose passer rating is in the top six <laughs> in the, the last three three years. Mediocre. Yeah. And, again, I, mm. I've i never
0: questioned the stats and right. what he's done. My only question was about mm-hmm. what type of guy is he in the locker room. Right. Because I've seen him throw the ball. He can throw the ball extremely well. Love the way he moves around in the pocket, stays alive, all those things. But – And Kyle, he kind of he kind of answered my question. You know, he's he's good in the locker room.
2: He's a good good leader. That was a revealing answer from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I thought when he talked about how Kirk Cousins gets along with everybody, right? And I would say certain the people who'd have the best idea about that would probably be the coaches, (laughs) kind of you know watching and seeing the big picture and getting and having their fingers on the pulse of the locker room. And, you know, that was a pretty hearty endorsement yeah. of Kirk Cousins uh, by Kyle Shanahan, who, of course, coached him back in 2012 and 2013, uh, was Washington's offensive coordinator back back then. So, I mean, it's the thing with this situation, Steve, It's you know, you're trying to separate fiction from fact. You're trying to separate noise from the analysis and the data that matters yeah absolutely and it's it it can be tough because sometimes because you're really trying to get an accurate perception and the teams that are you know pouring over everything about Kirk Cousins you know each of them they're trying they're you know relying on people they trust to try to get the most accurate picture on Kirk Cousins and how well he's going to fit with their team, with their scheme, with their locker room. Yeah. I would imagine, I mean, with the number of
0: people on the staff for all of these teams, you know, Broncos included, that they can get as much information as they want on Kirk Cousins. They have yes. access to players who play with them, coaches who've, co- who've coached them. So the teams will have a really good idea of who Kirk Cousins really is. The question is, will they want to pay that money?
2: Yes. And I that, think that's what it's going to come down to in the end. Yeah. Do we want to do we want to write stroke this check? Do you want to pay that money and potentially create needs on the roster that weren't there before? And do you want to pay that not only do you want to pay that money but is he going to be that much better than say one of these quarterbacks in this year's draft class? I think the question teams have to ask themselves in regards to Kirk Cousins is is Kirk Cousins going to be so much better in a year or two than, say, Baker Mayfield? Think Josh Rosen. If you think he's substantially better, then you make that play for Kirk Cousins. If you think that Rosen or Mayfield could be as good or maybe even better in a couple of years, then the draft is probably your best play. Well, well, do you bring this (laughs) into the picture, the
0: age of, some of your superstars. You know, if you got guys who you figure they may only have another two or three solid productive years in them and you don't have
2: time to wait. Do you make a different decision? Possibly. At the same time, you have to – at the same time, if you have a team with a lot of veterans, maybe those veterans can help a rookie out. As in, let's say, for example – Let's say you have veteran receivers and a good veteran running back and a veteran offensive line. Maybe those guys can really help kind of be an incubator almost for that quarterback, can take some of the pressure off of that quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Here. What, yeah, one, Here's another text. For this one from Brennan. I'm turned off by Cousins when looking at his stats and quarterback rating against teams with winning records and in primetime games. It's a tale of two stories. But well, I'm not sure about the prime time games. I'm, you know, that's the time of day. I don't really care about that. Now, with that's... the win, the winning records uh, that you maybe some there may be something to that that, you know, you ha, you do you do better against teams that are are at the bottom of the table. I think a lot of guys have their best numbers against struggling teams. I think the the issue is the discrepancy yeah. there. And that that's something to be concerned about. Certainly for example, one of Kirk Cousins' best games last year came against a struggling Denver team. Now that's a pretty good defense, but still a struggling team overall. Yeah. So that would be an example of what Brennan mentions.
0: Yeah, I mean, let me let me go and take a look here That we I'm gonna look at this uh this schedule here to see some of the other games that they that they won. So and you know how it is, you go seven to nine fingers a point
2: and again it was a team that had a lot of injuries last year it was a team that uh, had a decimated roster at times he was propping it up uh based on on what he was doing the play that, that he had um you beat the Rams yeah. early not but for example I'll, I'll get like you take Kirk Cousins one of his best games last year uh came th- these were now two of his best games last year they were losses but they came against Philadelphia and New Orleans. A 110.7 rating at Philly and a 132.6 rating at New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Food for thought. Steve, great good show. Good great as always. Coming up next, all access. Brandon Kristall, Matt McChesney, live from the Scouting Combine. They've got plenty of stuff on the other side. Stay tuned. Two more hours from Scouting Combine, Indianapolis, on Orange and Blue 764.